Wayfarers, where we unravel the weavings of Amazon's Wheel of Time. I'm Renai Bliss, and I'm joined by my chosen co-presenters. I'm here with Bree. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Lee, how are you doing? Yay! Happy to be here. Great episode. Great episode this week. It was a lot of fun. And Sarah. I am also thrilled to be here. Woo! Glad to have you all with me. Uh, we have a number of segments that we go through, but before we dive into that, is there, uh, Lee, is there anything that we should go over for Mangum Talks? Yeah, thanks everybody for listening. It seems like we build our listener base for this podcast week over week. You know, whenever we start a new feed like this for a new show, new book series, new whatever, it takes a while for people to catch on that we're reviewing it, right? And that we're here week by week. It seems like the, the listener base is building up, so thank you all for listening. I just want to keep everybody to keep in mind, we are absolute amateurs at this. You're not listening to a professional podcast. We don't get paid for it. We do this simply because we think that we were going to talk about the show anyway, because we like it. And we think that by putting it out there, it'll make your day a little bit better, that you will enjoy this, right? We're here. We're doing this for your enjoyment only. So um, hope you can keep that in mind when you're listening, that we're not like professionals, but we're doing our best to just try to give you something that maybe as you watch the show makes it a little bit more fun. And that's really what we do across all the Mangum Talks podcast. If you like this podcast, you like the general feel of it, you can go to mangumtalks.com and check out any of our stuff. That's M-A-N-G-U-M talks.com. We do a lot of TV review podcasts. We just wrapped up Succession. Shout out, end of Succession, season three. Bang, what a banger that was. Oh my God, what a finale. If you don't watch Succession, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You need to check out Succession. Literally anything else. So good. Not watching. It's so good. I was going to say, I I saw a teaser that there's going to be some, uh, a lot more Star Wars content in the future, which I'm excited about. So we're transitioning from the banger that was Succession season three straight to Star Wars because Disney Plus is about to pump out a serious pipeline of Star Wars content. We got Boba Fett, Mandalorian season three, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, uh, Andor. We got a bunch of stuff coming for Star Wars. So we decided to just do a general feed for that, which is uh, Mangum Talk Star Wars. So you can get that. That's live now. You can subscribe to that on anywhere you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we read every review. Uh, we take them into heart. We try to take your, your feedback seriously. And we enjoy the, uh, the ratings as it pushes us up and we get more listeners. So thanks. Well, uh, into our segments. Uh, so we have a number. We're going to start off with a recap that is uh, led by Lee. Uh, then we have uh, Gleeman's Corner, where, or then we have Tavern of the Week. I am all out of sorts. Tavern of the Week, which is hosted by Bree and decided by Bree, and character then of the week. Uh, which is Character of the Week, who is the most interesting, plot developing, all sorts of fun like that. I've um, got a nominee this week. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think we all I've got have. a big one. <laughs> Um, and then on to Gleeman's Corner, where we uh, have best line or, or conversation of the episode that, that I decide on, followed by uh, speculation and some Theory time. notes. Theory time. Um, I think uh, Dragon Power Rankings might might have fallen off. Oh, no. Uh, Final. Segment. Final Dragon <laughs> Power Rankings. <laughs> yeah, my my yeah. segment has died. <laughs> my favorite. Um, Made it so we'll almost see how that goes. All of the but I can do seasons. predictions, though. Yes, predictions. I do have, yes. I do have a prediction for you. Um, I'm just ready to go. Um, I think that, you know, we'll roll that into uh, theory time. Theory time. Theory time. Um, and then that, that will end our uh, spoiler-free, or at least spoiler-free without any book content uh, for part one. And then we have a spoiler-ridden all sorts of book stuff for, for part two. Um, but without much further ado, late. Yeah, season Take one. Take us away. Season one, episode seven. Let's start the recap. We start with an action scene. I got to say, um, there's been a lot of action scenes on this show. This was the best one. This was the best action scene they've done, in my opinion. Yep. Um, just I, my opinion. I think this I think. was universally liked by every Everybody. bit of the fandom. Yeah. I mean, I, I 
I've seen complaints because everybody's going to complain, um, but everybody liked this one, I think. I thought it was really well done. You know what it reminded me of is um, like a Game of Thrones did the, t- the tower scene where um, it was like a flashback and they were showing up. Uh, Eric Stark was showing up to try to, to get um, his, his daughter or mm-hmm. his, his um, uh, sister who he thought was, was being kidnapped, right? And I bring it up because they made a point of saying that they spent like, I think like three weeks filming one single sword mm-hmm. fighting scene. Mm-hmm. I wonder how long it took for this because it seems like they really took their time with it and tried to do it well. It was really, really riveting. And I, like, I am a person, I will readily admit, I sometimes get into these extended action scenes and I'm like, okay, can we just... Right, get to the end of it. Like, just what is happening here? I don't. Can we start talking again? That would be great. Um, But this one, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. And when the the grabbing of the cloak and the that whole thing happened, peak entertainment. Uh, No capes. Uh, (laughs) But but so the other thing that I I thought was really good and interesting, and they spent a lot of time doing it, um, is making it believable with what's going on. Which you know, I think you're going to get into. But you know having this not be they're just the best warriors out Mm -hmm. there you know we have this idol that is taking people down but like it's not a there isn't like magic going on they're they're not just like blowing people away exactly it's a hard and gritty fight yeah i think it plays with your expectations a little bit too because you see that you see that the woman is pregnant before you see her fighting skills and so we're conditioned to think like pregnant woman like probably defenseless yeah yeah, like not Mm -hmm. not in her best fighting shape right but we increasingly see as the scene moves forward that she still has like extreme capabilities to kick out an awful lot of ass, which she does. So that gets in the recap, right? So um, basically these, these people in armor are attacking her for some reason. And she does a great, it's not like clear what the hell's going on, but it does look like there's been a battle around her and it looks like she's been in the battle, right? She's all scraped mm-hmm. up and beat up. She does do the cape pull scene where she jumps over a guy, pulls the cape, knocks him down, kills him. At one point, three people kind of crowd her. Mm-hmm. Really disappointed in the guys in armor. I mean, you have got to, you have got to, one motion, all three go. That's how you do this, right? They're they're doing the pick and pop, and she's able to handle them. Um, she finally uh, gets behind a, a stone, and looks like it looks like she's maybe got a little bit of time. So she starts to, she's in labor the whole time, but she starts to kind of finish the the process, right? She's trying to get the the baby out, and um, a guy with armor comes up and looks at her, points sword at her, bang intro did i miss anything there no all, all good uh definitely it was a cold open that we've been waiting for this scene because it was one of the things in the that we got in the trailer and we've been waiting for it since the the season began i mean it's we, we were hoping that it was going to be such a cool scene and i'm just glad that we this is i think a really good context to have it in that it's it's a flashback that we, we find out later that it's a flashback and we find out like the context that it, it was in um, and it just yeah. it was really cool. Yeah, I completely agree. the The lady's name is Tigraine Mantier. Mm-hmm. That's what it said on the X ray. Maiden of the Spear, Battle of the Shining Walls is what she's in. Battle of the Shining Walls. Mm. So shout out. Um, is that right? Did I get that, it is right. It is. Book canon. You, or, well, you are in. Show canon. You, you are in <laughs> like so, so much there's book lore, so there's not much of, we can say. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. So yeah. I do think you know some cool things about this. So BJ was about ready to be disappointed, dark friend, when we opened on this scene <laughs> because she was like panting as she was running, mm. and she tore off her black veil, and he was like, "Oh, this is like why is she so tired? She shouldn't be so tired." As a Aiel. 
And then I, it like <laughs> panned back and it was like, okay, well, she's in labor. She's pregnant. Like she has reasons for this. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I didn't do it justice. Not just pregnant in labor. In labor. Like, yeah. Like, like and it a, does take a little while for that to become apparent yeah. in right. the scene. But BJ, this is on brand for you. Preemptive disappointed dark friend. Yes. <laughs> just ready to Absolutely. latch onto it whenever Absolutely. you can. <laughs> And then it ended up being really, really awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think this is like, um, I don't know if you timed it, but this was sort of, for me, the perfect amount of time for a cold open. Mm -hmm. Like it it was just like, it was enough to get a scene out. We had a little bit of a cliffhanger and, and then we get the, uh, the opening credits. Yeah. And even like as a book reader, like I really like once we finished with that and we went to the credits, I was like, but we're going to go back to that. Right. Like, no, no, no. I want to see more. Yeah, um, the, the it takes three thirty-five the cold opening here, so that's pretty standard uh, amount of time for the cold opening. And we start with after the intro, we start with our crew in the ways, which looks like a really dark hallway. Basically, that's kind of what it looks like on screen. Right after it closed, they're screaming for Matt. Naive wants them to open it again to get Moraine, um, but Moraine says uh, he made his choice. Rand, did he or did he make it for him? Moraine, you know the darkness in him. This is a potential quote of the episode. You know the darkness in him. You know it better than anyone. Do you really think he's ready for what lies ahead? Interesting quote to me because she seems to be she's speaking right to Rand, and she seems to assume that he knows what's coming. Like, it would seem to me that like it would be very unclear to him what he's about to go do. And she like specifically is like, you know what's coming. You do you think he's ready for it? It's weird that she's talking to him that way to me. I think it's a tough times are coming and you know this is going to be a lot of difficult things and we're going to be wrangling with evil and i think it's fairly nebulous i think you know that's sort of where moraine is going like it's this nebulous evil that that we're trying to wrangle with do you really think he's up for it because he, he really waffles between like a being a hero and being sketchy matt is pretty sketchy all the time i've never seen him be a hero uh, he's been a hero no. with his sisters. And right. He's is, been that, out. is that really hero or is that big brother? It, I'm just saying, hero, hero's a tough thing. Here's, here's a tough thing. I, I've not seen like a super amount of good from him other than he likes his own family, which I mean, that's kind of a base. And he had, well, he did have well, that moment with Parent and too. With his friends too. Yeah. Like. yeah. Um, and he, so when he gave up the knife to Perrin, what uh, one, they were in Shader Logoth. And then he had, I mean, Yes, it was sort of colored with, you know, the evil that was in with the knife, but, like, he had some really nice moments with the, the little girl on uh, the farm. So he likes little and children. Before she was that's, dead. That's where we're, uh, we're going like, to... I'm just on it, I'm, like. I'm poking at it that the things that we seem to like about Matt are things that, like, are baseline human, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I think that we get... he. I think that saying hero is a lot to say based on what we have from Matt. In saying show. he's sure. in the show, yeah. Saying he's a good dude... He has the po- he, has he has the capability of being a good dude. Is yeah. fine. He is not irredeemable. Yeah. Right. But well, so yeah. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but Moraine's the, not wrong to say. Right. Look, he's not like in the best mind state. And so, it's not it's not wrong to direct that to Rand either because he's the one who's had to deal with him for the past however many months. Yes, exactly. God whatever. bless him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so with his uh, younger sisters, like yes, it's a thing that you might expect, but. Uh, his neither his parents nor a lot of the other people in the village think did about anything anybody with else that. and go like, find right. So you know that he went out into the battle for it. I think says a little bit more than like he's just an older brother. 
Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, look, here's the thing. When Moraine says someone's bad, they're bad in Lee's book, okay? <laughs> sure. So I'm team Moraine 100%. So at this point, I'm fuck Matt. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Okay. You know, she is an infallible. Um, <laughs> she is to me. <laughs> So uh, you are Egwene. You're just like ready to... Yes, absolutely. Whatever yep. Moraine says. Follow I, Moraine I to the well end of the her, world. Might as well be her warder. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll sign up. Well, you can, you can trade places with Lan. Yeah, apparently she's worn out. <laughs> uh, Moraine tells them they've wasted enough time. It's time to go. And off they go. One thing I've noticed about Moraine this episode, Rand finally calls it out. I gotta say, Rand, strong fucking episode. It, you know... Outside uh, of the finally, end. Finally. Strong episode. I'm not even talking yeah. about the, yeah. the, the, the ultimate plot reveal. I'm just talking about him generally. He just seems so much more reasonable in this episode. And I just feel like every time I take a strong stance on a podcast, it always swings the other way. <laughs> I really went hard against Rand last episode. And he just seems reasonable because he does call this out later, which basically everything Moraine's, and I'm Team Moraine just to establish that, but everything Moraine says to these kids is one of two things it's a statement of fact or it's a command. That's all she ever gives them. And like eventually they're like, God damn, this lady's like tough. And it, she starts it right out in this episode. Mm-hmm. Enough time. It's time to go. Like, they just went through something pretty traumatic. Like, they're they're in a time warp, for God's sakes. And she doesn't <laughs> even give them a little bit of softening. No. Yeah. Um, and I think I think you're 100% right on Rand leading up to this episode. And I really appreciate that they developed his character. And he, he I think, had his breakout episode in terms of just acting from mm-hmm. the actor. Like, not just Great like the, yeah. the lines that he had right. and the, the development point. that they had on the episode, but, like, everything felt better. Yes. And, you know, mm-hmm. we'll get to it later, but his interactions with all the other characters, and especially Wayne, like, up until now, just, like, you're just, like, reading line, like, lines to each other. And this yeah. felt, like, a lot more, oh, you, you actually like this person. Yeah, he became uh-huh. a, a real person mm-hmm. this episode, yeah. which is nice to see because, man, I was worried. Yeah. yeah. Well, if the reveal had happened without him becoming a person yeah. first, right. that would have felt real cheap. They've, there's been some people complaining about the acting from the kids. Um, and they're not really kids, by the yeah. way. They're in their 20s. But like for the younger the younger group. And my, my response to that is that I think, this might be my guess of what they've done. They know that this show is going to run like eight seasons or something crazy. They have to have some development over that yeah. time. Yeah, and, and they've got to get people who aren't super expensive. They, the lady who got Moraine, she like scared all men everywhere and gone girl and therefore commands a huge amount of money. <laughs> I'm sure. But like all the kids, like I'm, I think that they're setting up for a multi-season show and you have to get some people who aren't super expensive. Yeah. That's my guess. About and what I, I think that they have some chops before this and, but it takes some time to like really get into character and it's really hard to be convincing without a lot of interaction and they didn't have a lot of that. And so, yeah. like, what we're complaining about is maybe 10 lines between Owen and yeah, Rand, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, up yeah. the entire series so far. Gotta so, give them reps. Because then they've been chased by Trollocs, they've been on a journey, they've been separated. separated. Yeah. Like, there just isn't a lot of time. Yeah. Right. And so, like, the, I think the most believable relationship up until now that Rand has is with Matt because they spent a lot more time together. And so, yeah, right. you know, the complaints that we have, I think, are sort of, you know, how much do we expect from, you know, relatively inexperienced actors to a certain extent with a huge amount of just ground to cover too. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like we're focusing on one or two inexperienced actors playing. It's 
a whole cast yeah. and they have to do a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with so everything anyway. said. Um, our crew is talking about reopening the Waygate. Egwene says, well, we can barely use the one power. Oh, uh, speak for yourself, Egwene. Uh, <laughs> Naive cannot barely use the one power, as we see. Uh, uh, Loyal, I, I'm saying mm-hmm. right? yeah. yeah. tells them that they can't use the one power in the ways. Quote, to do so would be to throw yourself at Machin Shin and ask, to, ask it to feast on your soul. Nynaeve asking the real questions, what is Machin Shin? <laughs> Loyal says, look, Moraine's going pretty quick. Uh, so gears, not so fast. I got to go. <laughs> the Man. one time when he's not willing to do expeditions, yes. yeah. which is really funny because uh, in in the books this spoils the smallest thing ever. Like they're good runners, and he doesn't like be on a horse, and he prefers to like run alongside them when they're on horse. So that he's slow, I think, is more of like a joke than than anything else. But we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Rian goes back to the Matt thing saying, we can't just leave him. Egwene, quote, we didn't leave him. He left us. Uh, here's the thing about, we, we just talked about how the actors didn't get, they're not getting a lot of reps. They're new to this story. you got to give them time, right? With that being said, I'm now going to criticize the acting. <laughs> it feels like she played every single line she got this episode on the verge of crying. And it, like, it starts to lose its power when you have tears in your eyes every single time yeah. you say a line. Yeah. I feel like she should bring that back and be a little bit more choosy about when she uses the tears. So the other thing um, about this episode in specific is that all of the Matt lines and, and, and interactions surrounding Matt, my understanding is that they were all shot after the episode was put together when they lost the actor, mm. Barney, for like the coming show, they lost him between episode seven and episode eight. And so they had to like, what happened to him? Oh, wow. No one knows. Yeah. And so basically they had to like restructure episode seven and then figure out what they were going to do with episode eight because they lost him for episode eight and like they, they had nothing to do with it. And so like that, his departure feels abrupt and everything surrounding it feels a little weird Mm -hmm. is as far as I understand, because they basically went back and shot a bunch of things to, make the end of the season make And then sense. kind of sliced Although, it in to get... I um, thought it was between mm. six and seven because they had a COVID, you know, kind of separation between the shootings of one through six and seven through eight. And somewhere in that time is when Matt's actor so, was unable to come but, back. But I think they had been shooting episode seven. I'm like, they hadn't finished it. But yeah, like, I'm, I'm not 100%. So, the, so yeah. the interesting thing in all that to me is that they shoot the episodes in a linear fashion. Not a lot of shows do that. And if they are doing that, that's I mean, I'm not a sure very how interesting much they choice. Do. That's a very interesting choice if they do that. Because not, that doesn't always happen. Yeah, but that, that could be helping with the progression and development of the characters as, yeah. as the actors. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a I lot think, of it's done on a soundstage, obviously. Right. So yeah. they can yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of it is because of how they did some of the early uh, scenes because when they had uh, the Two Rivers Town itself, like they built it and then destroyed it. And so mm. like that was taking a lot of time. So they might've shot some things afterward, but like it sort of necessitated like a fairly linear type of shooting for that piece. Interesting. Yeah. Rand uh, tells Egwene, do you really believe that he left us? Do you really believe that? And Perrin makes the great point. Perrin is a very rational person this entire episode. <laughs> makes the great no. point, well, we can't open up the portal and we can't find our way out without Moraine. So what are we going to do? Sit down and die? What do you, what do you guys <laughs> want to do? And Egwene looks at Nynaeve and Nynaeve says, when this is all over, we'll find him. I promise you that. And with that, they take off. So it seemed to me that the group was waiting for Nynaeve to make her move. When she followed Moraine, that's when they all went. Rand is the last to finally break and start walking. Uh, in the in the lead, it's Land and Moraine. They're in the front of our 
our caravan Marine is talking to Lan and Matt. Quote, there's inherent darkness, uh, to Lan about Matt. Quote, there's inherent darkness within him. He was drawn to the dagger and he was feeding on it as much as it was on him. Uh, he was feeding on it as much as it was on him. Uh, Lan asks, what if it's him? She says, well, if that's the case, I can't let him within like a hundred bajillion leagues of the dark one. She knows what choice he'd make. Um, gotta tell you, Marine flipped on Matt quick here. Uh, I think that what her experience in pulling the darkness out of Matt from that dagger, she was willing to do it to save him, but I think that she was really, she, she felt like she learned something about Matt from that experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, the last thing we can afford is, quote, the potential love. I mean, this powerful line, I don't know if it's a line of the episode, but it's powerful. The last thing we need is for the dragon to turn to the shadow. Uh, they they talk and walk, and uh, there is a crackling and weird sound, quote, to to that. the fruit, And this is um, Loyal. Um, he's just on the back pontificating. <laughs> to think that fruit trees once thrived on every island, that these pop-marked stone paths were once soft and verdant, covered in grass, but now one strong step and you plummet into a void that... Uh, now uh, that you, you plummet into a void that no one knows or worse again there's something worse than falling into a bottomless pit and he goes oh yes of course there is um, it had real, tell real or worse expelled uh, yeah. vibes to this yeah. whole conversation yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty funny um, cuts a land talking to Nynaeve I owe Moraine three silvers you were scowling I bet on pouting a flirting there. Yeah. Is that land flirting? Human from land, that yeah. Land? I think so. Got three yeses yeah. on it. A, a little, a yeah. little flat, but <laughs> well, he's probably not super experienced at it. No, you yeah. liked it, though, because she smiled she at did. it. She did, She yeah. seemed to dig it. Land tells her that Matt is safer where he is than with them, he promises. Yeah. Cut uh, to pair. Oh, you got something? Yeah, I was going to say, another minor book spoiler is uh, uh, that... What are you doing? <laughs> That that land definitely doesn't have a lot of uh, flirting experience because apparently women would just like just throw themselves at him in the book. Yeah. And, 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 and that was a, a thing that we really did not miscast that. Did not have to try very yeah. hard. Unbelievable, this actor. I hate him. Um, <laughs> Bad shoes. Terrible. I mean, cut to Perrin. He picks up something in front of them. He sees something. Consistently through this episode, we see that Perrin has better eyesight than the others. Mm-hmm. They're, that they're fairly focusing on that. Loyal says it's a guiding stone. Quote, how very strange. No gear would deface a guider, a guiding. Um, it's as if someone tried to destroy it, keep people away from find, keep people from finding their way, basically. So what mm-hmm. he's saying is like there's this stone. This is what I'm picking up. There's a stone there. It acts, acts as sort of a map in the ways to tell them kind of where to go. And someone's like screwed it all up. And he's like, why would you do that? Like an Ogier who, who reads these things, we would never do that. So what's going on here, basically? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Moraine asks if he can read it. And he says, I'll ask for your patience. <laughs> Rand, from the back, killing it. <laughs> if he's asking for patience, we're all going to die. <laughs> it reminded me of that scene where Rand said something funny and Matt looked at him and said, you're funny now. That's a change. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Um, Moraine tells them that they need to wait. For him to read the Guiding Stone, it's a day's journey to their way gate. So where they want to go, the, the exit portal, the way gate mm-hmm. in this thing, is about a day's journey. So she tells them, take some comfort while you can. Again, command. <laughs> we are, Look, we're mandating comfort here. <laughs> all right, damn it. You all must be comfortable. Um, uh, Rand does ask Perrin, um, how did you see that? And Perrin says he doesn't know. Lan asks Moraine if she knows what did that to the stone. She doesn't answer. And Lan says that something is following them. Cut to them all laid out, sleeping. Egwene saddles up to Rand. Perrin shoots an unhappy look. Gotta say, 
You did call it. Crushed it. With that call. I mean, I look. I was hundred percent. I was on that shit early. I'm from gonna... the vi- from like the very first scene of the yeah. very first scene proper of the very first episode. That that parent had a thing for Aguina. Let me explain why I had that thought. It, and I think that they. I don't think it's like I think they gave it to us. And it yeah. was mm-hmm. she touches him more than she needs to, and he kind of collapses into her. Ever like this thing <laughs> when you touch somebody's shoulder and then you fall toward the touch. Yeah, that's two people who have a thing. Like yeah, he, yeah like that. They were showing us that on screen. Mm-hmm. I think they were there were breadcrumbs to this. But mm-hmm. obviously, we get in this episode. This is the first of the very direct uh, evidence that we have that Perrin does have some feelings for Egwene. Um. Nynaeve does catch the look, though. I thought they that, mm-hmm. they did they shot that really well. Mm-hmm. Where Perrin shoots the weird look as they saddle up to each other in bed, and then Nynaeve looks at it. Uh, cut to Egwene waking up in the middle of the night. She does this a lot. Not a great sleeper. Did <laughs> yeah, you, she did seems you pretty... Some, something yes. up to why? Yes, absolutely. Uh, there was some whistling in the distance. Yeah. Um, we had this conversation so while we were away, so you don't have to look skeptically about whether we had this. Here's the thing: I, so I, look, I, I am a casual viewer in the sense, well, kind of, right? So the first, I, the first time through, the because we watched this like two or three times at yeah. least, you know. Um, I, well, I will watch say, it, you, I watch it on subtitles, yeah. so it said whistling. That's how yeah. I caught it. Okay. But, but I um, will say the first time that we watched it through, because now I am on high alert for whistling in the background right. for reasons that right. become clear. Well, we're gonna um, say it, but. I I had a sort of like Egwene popping up like I half heard it and didn't know it and I was like was that whistling was that whistling and we did not go back but then watching it on subtitles today it was so here's the thing we're hearing whistling and we're seeing evidence first in Tarvalon and now in this city which I have the name of I don't have it memorized but I have it um, that this fucking the caravan fucking (laughs) the peddler the peddler the guy on the thing yeah I I know where are we going I know his I know his name but I'm saying like he uh and fame but he's the guy who basically just sells you shit like Mm -hmm. he just shows up and he's like hey you know who needs who needs some beer like you know like that guy I don't know like it it, it is not particularly clear in the show but for some reason he is following them which Mm -hmm. seems Mm -hmm. abundantly strange that he'd be able to do such a thing because of their travel pattern and how they're mm-hmm. all over the place. Lan even comments that the fact that Nynaeve was able to track them was like the biggest fucking thing in the world. And this guy is not just following them to, you know, their their efforts to deal with Loghain and meet up with the, uh, the Aes Sedai at the White Tower. He has apparently followed them into the ways, which is just mind-blowing. So I don't know what the hell's going on with this Pod and Fane character, but we will, I sense, talk a lot about him as we go forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trolloc jumps out. Woo! Trolloc. Very interesting scene there. Rand puts his arm over Egwene. And Egwene seems to use the... This is what you see in the first one. It looks like Egwene uses the one power to envelop them and expels the Trolloc. Whoever did, it's pretty strong, though, because that Trolloc, wham. And Mm -hmm. I go back to Moraine fighting the Trollocs, right? And she was able to use the one power to push them away. For, let's call it a force push. Yep. You know, if if it were (laughs) a force push. power push. She was able to do that. But it wasn't like like an endless supply, right? That mm-hmm. was a that was a like a big like elite level skill she was showing in mm-hmm. her ability to push the Trollocs away. And whoever did this blasted that one very quickly. So we know that Nynaeve is more powerful than Egwene, but we do know that Egwene is gonna be one of the most powerful Aes Sedai as you know, if she completes her training. Um, I'm not so sure of that. I, I have a theory on that later. Okay. All right. Um so yeah, this was a, a really cool Flash. The other thing that I thought was really interesting 
um, that we got in some of the promo stills, which you can see on the bonus content. But like, if you pause it at the right time, this Trolloc looks more zombie-ish than, than normal Trollocs. It doesn't have like as much color and uh, sort of as bestial looking. It's more like a wan... Uh, it looks skeletal almost. Mm. I, yeah. I might be trying to assign too strict of rules around how they use the one power. I don't know, but like when Egwene was in the in the chair and she was held down with uh, Child Valdo, right? Mm-hmm. Her, her she came up with a fireball that like basically scratched him. But she I, was, I had the theory on that that she right. was distracting distraction, him yeah. to be able to direct. But that's it. But but yeah. yeah. But my point is, is that if she had the ability to do that big woof push, why yeah. wouldn't she have just done that? The child Valder right immediately. Well, but it she seems doesn't to me that, know. Yeah, but, but so there you go. Right? Yeah. I might be trying to assign too stricter rules to this, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But I just think that maybe there's some evidence that it wasn't her, right? Because if she had the ability to do that, why didn't she do that well, before in that right. other situation? So I, we've I would, never seen this level of power from her before. What right? I'm saying is, yeah. What I'm driving at here is that it, I think the show's really consistent. Like, I think they're being consistent with her ability to use the one power and that that wasn't her. Right. Because I feel mm-hmm. like maybe mm-hmm. she would have displayed that power in a previous situation where she was in extreme danger. That's my thought. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that you might relate this to is uh, pretty much any sporting ability. Like, there are some people that are naturally great at something and they may change a little bit from there, but like maybe with a lot of practice. And then there are people that start out terrible and get really good with a lot of practice. And so. Not everybody, you know, maybe not everybody starts at the same, uh, on the same playing field. All right, I'm gonna cu- I'm gonna go ahead and, and to, for the the listener, go ahead and cut through what's happening here. I don't think Egwene's particularly powerful, and everyone else at this table thinks that she is. <laughs> yeah, that's what's going on. That is what's I, going on here. Yes. I don't think she's that powerful, <laughs> and, and we'll figure it out. I yes, guess. there was a a comment somewhere within I don't remember what episode where um, I think Maureen says, you know, I brought. Two of the most powerful channelers. Right. Yes. Exactly. So there is in in show rationale for Egwene yes. is powerful, just not as powerful as Nynaeve. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so skeletal tra- trollic, boop, off the edge, gone. Great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or I don't works. think I have anything else there um, in that scene, other than they use the one power and they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And mm-hmm. I think that I think that in, in the first watching, the panic. I don't think that this whole like discussion of who used it and how powerful it was is what you catch on the first one i think the first one you you panic that they yeah, used you get the yeah you're yeah. like oh yeah, yeah i know yeah. we're not yeah. they're yeah. not supposed to do that well freaks out about the trollocs in the ways he immediately starts saying how they're trollocs in the ways not supposed to be here land pieces together that that's probably how they got into the two rivers undetected i think mm-hmm. he, ding 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 i think he's probably right there perrin noted that it was cold in there he notes that it's getting cold um again perrin senses he's Spidey sense is real strong in Perrin. He's noticing things before other people are. Egwene apologizes for channeling. I'm so sorry I did that. Well, hmm. Nynaeve then asks what imagine. Nynaeve is so, so funny, right? Because it's like, don't use the one power. Yes. Otherwise, you'd be asking for Mansion Chin to screw you up. And then she's like, what is that? And he's like, we got to go. And then she uses the one power. And she's like, I have got to know what this Mansion Chin shit is right now. <laughs> Hold up. I, right. I think that she, she's been being used a lot as, as a uh, viewer insert. To yeah. Be like, all right, what's going on exactly. here a lot? Yeah. You know, why are we trusting Moraine? What's the Mansion Chin? And I think that it fits in with her her somewhat combative personality really well, um, <laughs> but allows for exposition. Yeah, mm-hmm. I completely agree. Um, I, I think that, that she does a great job of that as a as as they write her. 
to explain things to people like me. Um, Loyal then explains that it translates from the old tongue to black wind. And what exactly is black wind? Marin starts to explain that it comes and talks to you. Lan, in a moment of real concern, says, we're never going to make it to our way gate. We're not going to get there. We don't have a whole other day of traveling ahead of us. Lan tells Loyal to take them to the nearest way gate. And Lan tries to protect them from behind as they go. So now they're in full like flight mode. Yep. Yeah. The road gets pretty precarious as they go. It looks like difficult stones to step on. I, as someone scared of heights, would not be particularly a fan of this journey. It looks a little bit freaky. Um, How much did you see in, in the lightning flashes? Because we get a lot more of the waves, but it's in like half yeah. second at most flashes. Like very frustrating to um, pause the episode to yeah, see. Yeah, especially on TV. <laughs> but like if, if you want to know like a little bit more about the ways, and you know, we will probably return here at some point. Um, in those pauses, you get to see a lot more. They built a big set, or at least well, you know, put or, in CGI yeah. of like a much larger area, which is super cool because you get to see other bridges in other like weird mm-hmm. places, like huge and chasms and yeah. archways. Yeah, I thought it was like, like really interestingly depicted. Um, mm-hmm. I I just want to shout out because I thought this was such a cool design choice. I wanted to shout out the like hexagonal squares that mm-hmm. they were doing i was super into those i don't know if those are like i don't remember if those are consistent in any way shape or form with the books but they're just like not. i just liked them yeah. but they're they're super cool and so they're they're highly reminiscent of well a couple of things so one is the devil's causeway in northern ireland mm-hmm. and it's this beautiful sort of desolate area you know in northern ireland where it's um right up against the ocean and you get all of those hexagonal oh, columns, cool. and they're all in different like sort of types. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then the other is, um, I guess, spoiler for for the, a game. There, there's a video game. That <laughs> there's has, a video like, game really oh, okay. that has okay. like, yeah, cool, so. cool, cool, in sort of like a dream world. world. Mm-hmm. So I can see sort of areas that they might have pulled this from, but it worked. It worked well. It worked better than I thought it would. Did y'all see the Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson? No. Okay, so um, I did because I used to be a big Emma Watson fan until I read that she was like really difficult on set. Now I'm kind of out on her a little bit, but I'll, I'll update y'all as that, as that progresses. I'm sure you'll learn <laughs> about it. But in that movie, there, you know, the Beast is in this huge like castle that's really alone, mm-hmm. and like there's moments where, um, and it's all CGI, but there's moments where the, the flame will flicker, and you see, like the flame of the candle flickering will like shoot light onto a much bigger room. That's what it felt like. I felt like what they were mm-hmm. doing was like a sort of strobe lighting, like pop, and you see, wham, you're in a big, big yeah, area, yeah, yeah. but you're not, you're definitely not supposed to catch much of it. But what you're supposed to take in is that this is not a small little hallway. This yeah. is a huge, yeah. huge area yeah. with a lot of crap back there that you just can't see. Um, right. The other thing that is from the books, which they did an incredible job with, is that, um, light isn't supposed to like go as far as you expect it to and mm. so like there's just less light from lanterns and torches than you expect and i f- like i feel like you had that feel like there was darkness encroaching in on the party yeah, yeah. that feels and right. also a very like you don't want to get lost in there yeah. right yeah um loyal freaks out about the trucks and, oh we already did that um so the road gets pretty precarious as they go these difficult stones moraine hears you're wrong about everything. So this is when the black wind hits yeah. them. So, so yeah. Loyal says uh, the closest way gate is Faldara. And, you know, it yep. would only be a little ways to get there. Yep. And then they run that way. Yep. Um, so, and then the, the, the they're almost the there, it seems them. like. Yeah. And the black wind hits them, right? And when the black hand w- wind hits them, everyone starts hearing things 
um, from it. Now, I've written down what everyone heard from the Black Wind, all mm-hmm. of the different characters. This reminds me of, um, the, I, I try to make the parallel of the, in Harry Potter, when there's the, um, the dresser. The boggart. The boggart. Yeah. Um, yes. And basically <laughs> the thing that pops, this is how it's explained, right? It's the right. thing that, that, that you're scared of Animals or you're scared of. Yeah. But here's the thing. I think these might all be right. I think that every fucking thing they said here might be right. That's, so it's very interesting. That's yeah. the really cool thing about this, I think. Yeah. It can it can both be true and your biggest fear at the same time. I yeah. think the black wind might be might be spot on. So let me let me read uh, what they say to each one. So Moraine hears you're wrong about everything, you'll murder these children and call it heroism. Egwene hears you're nothing, an imposter, a fraud. Raising hand. <laughs> Gotta vote this for that one. Why. Rand Rand uh, Egwene will never love you as much as you love her. Pause on that one. Why is that a bad thing? Like, if, as long as she does love him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why? Like, if you love someone, right? Isn't it okay to love somebody, like, more than they love you? Like, th- why do you need everything to be equal? I think what Rand. they should have written here, and, you know, we do this sometimes <laughs> elsewhere, uh, is that she won't love you in the same way that you yes. love her. And I think that that's was what the rewrite I was doing in my head. Yeah, like, yeah, because, like, yeah. so mm-hmm. Sarah's my wife right here. We're recording with her. I'm totally okay if I love her more than she loves me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. don't, I, I, it seems like a selfish thing to need it to be equal. So the yeah. writing, the yeah. writing actually made me like, I think it's bad writing. But when I heard it, I thought, man, Rand's kind of like, he's got an ego problem because he needs, he needs her to love him as much as I he loves her. I think he's just terrified yeah. of losing her yeah. and, and that she I, doesn't love him. I think that there's the, the image of, uh, especially in like long-term committed relationships that it might like vary a little bit, but like, they're in the same league of how much you love each other. Right. And I think this is indicating, like, this is not the same league. Like, you would die for her, and she kind of wants you there. She <laughs> would give you Christmas presents. Yeah. I think that it's a it's a question of thresholding, right? Like, yeah. has she hit the threshold by which they are in right. the same? So, yeah. I, think, I think the writing could have been tweaked. Yes. But the way that it's written, the, uh, my first reaction was, like, man, he's got, like, a real self-confidence problem or ego problem here because he needs her to love. Like, I yeah. need you to love me as much as I love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, she left you once, she'll leave you again. That's the second thing that he heard. Cut to Perrin, who heard, you wanted Layla dead, out of the way. That's why you killed her, because you loved another woman more than your life. We'll pause there for. I think he killed her because she was trying to kill him. That's just what I think. <laughs> um, we'll get into that later, I guess. Lan, you can pr- you can't protect her. You'll watch her die. Who is she? Great. Doesn't question. say Moraine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't protect her. You'll watch her die. I think the casual is going to assume Moraine and move right along. Us thoughtful people here on the podcast <laughs> might want to consider that it's naive. I'm just saying. Maybe Lan doesn't even know. Yeah. Nynaeve. Probably not. That's a really yeah. good point. Mm-hmm. I think that that's probably true. Nynaeve's um, is very, I think, true to form. It's you'll hear the screams as they die, just like you heard your parents, and you'll do nothing to save them. Hers is really harsh. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. lost Matt, and now you'll lose the others one by one till you have nothing and no one. Nynaeve, well-established track record of not taking any shit, <laughs> does not want to take shit from this black wind, gets up, <laughs> walks toward the edge of this like um, stone... Uh, fixture that they're on and she hears you can't protect them play in her head Lan yells at her no because I think Lan is locked in with her I think he knows what she's about to do and she just completely taps into the one power seems to create a kind of like force field around them Mm -hmm. uh, to push the the black wind out of the way Mm -hmm. right um Sarah and I had a bit of a disagreement on the next scene because when she does that, we cut to Moraine, who seems to be flailing herself. I thought Moraine was helping her 
build the bubble before Moraine then locked in to open up the way the way gate, right? Sarah didn't read it that no, way. Sarah, I don't Sarah think didn't so. read it that way. But I, yeah. my question is, why was if if that's if it's true that she wasn't helping her, that Mar, that Moraine was basically shocked by what mm-hmm. Nynaeve was doing, and then just worked to open the way gate? Why, when they cut to Moraine, was she flailing in the same way that Nynaeve was? So, so is that what you thought that she was just flailing? I didn't know what. I, okay. I really, honestly, hadn't so, registered like what she was doing. Yeah. So beforehand. I would I would vote for that she was trying, maybe failing, but trying to open the way gate. Because you do see that she already has sort of half-formed um, the the same weaves that she had done to open up the way gate when they first came in. Yep. Um, and then, so she's like halfway through, and then it's like, oh, all right, I'm going to go ahead and finish opening this. And that's when she does, you know, sort of her hand motion that is opening a door. Yeah, so I think that's what. So was... I think she was trying to. Open I just didn't. The but it, before when you point when Lee pointed out the flailing, or whatever that was, I didn't remember when she was opening it at the end of the last episode that she was ever with her arm like no, way back and like leaned back. And... That's the thing that, that that makes me think I might be hitting on something because she's consistent in the motion she does to open the way gate between the first scene and the second scene, which is a very controlled right near her chest and kind of pushing movement. through. The flailing is something completely different, mm. and it seems like she transitions from the flailing to the little hand thing to open up the way gate. So I I didn't I didn't know if she was helping Nynaeve or not. I mean, I guess maybe it doesn't it doesn't matter. But like it kind of does, right? Because well, but like I don't think she would help Nynaeve. Like that's the question, right? That's the question <laughs> I want to open up. Is I why, don't wh- think that she would. That's the yeah. question I want to open up because there's there's obvious tension between these two characters. And when Nynaeve did this thing, which is forbidden, which she wasn't supposed to be doing, did Moraine immediately hop to her aid, or did Moraine just use it as cover to open up the way? That's the question. Well, but I think because like Nynaeve can't hold them off for forever, so I can also see Moraine being like. All right, I have a little bit of time to be able to open the way gate. That was my read on what she was doing, but now the motions before yeah. now are yeah. kind of kerfutzing me on. on I might what's have to going go back on. and yeah. like watch the initial opening of the way gate. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right; she doesn't flail like that. Because, and then it's also hard. Sorry, BJ, but it's also hard. The scene is difficult to parse because mm-hmm. you're right there with Nynaeve, and then you immediately go to Moraine doing something weird, and it's unclear what she was doing yeah. beforehand, yeah. and like. So, yeah, and, 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 like, what I think is going on is it's not like you're not allowed to, but it's kind of like trying to use a flame to scatter away bugs at night, where it's just, like, you can do it, but it's going to draw a lot more. Mm-hmm. So unless you have, like, a goal in, in, mm-hmm. in mind, the less power that you use, the better. And so I think... That's a good way of putting it. This yeah. is, Moraine might have been, like, shielding herself a little bit, because the only way that they're going to get out is for her to open this doorway. Yeah. And so she's not going to waste power on protecting everybody else if she doesn't think that she can get the door open and do that as well yeah and and to your point that it gets it seems to get harder for Nynaeve as she goes and this is the second time we've seen her seriously use the one power and the second time where it looks like she was kind of on the edge of getting in trouble right you could see inside her skin Mm -hmm. flames kind of bubbling she looked like she was starting to be in pain um, when it, it when she finally releases it, she just collapses and Lan shout out is there to catch her. Um, they go through the the way gate opening that Moraine created. They get out. Everyone looks worse for wear. No one looks like they had a great road trip. Um, <laughs> and I would like to comment there that 
the scene of Lan coming and rescuing Nynaeve was reminiscent of Lan coming to yes. cover Moraine when mm-hmm. the building collapsed. Mm-hmm. Yep, and yes, in, in the first episode when Good she's call. fighting off the Trollocs, it's a really great parallel. Um, Moraine then looks at them, well done, all of you, closest she gets to a compliment the entire episode <laughs> of anything they've done. I, I honestly think that she was meaning that for Nynaeve, mm-hmm. but I don't think that she feels real comfortable talking directly to her. <laughs> Um, you know, in the way that you don't want to like really, uh, you know, upset, upset somebody who is always right on edge, right? Yep. Yep. Um, Nynaeve asks where they are, Loyal, the fortress city of Aldara. Valdara. Valdara. Valdara? Val. F-A-L. Space D-A-R-A. That's what I said. Valdara. Okay. The last bastion against the blight. Mm-hmm. I won't use the accent anymore. It seems to mess everybody up. <laughs> Faldara, We're just judging. The, the last bastion against the blight. Moraine explains that the eye of the world is a day's walk beyond. Everything's a day's walk. It's either <laughs> one day, two days. Everything's a day. Right? It's like that. that well, country, actually, it's actually like that country mile measurement. Like right. I, it's twenty minutes to town. It's twenty minutes to yeah. I mean, everything's twenty minutes away. Actually, it's right. forty-five fucking minutes. But yeah. <laughs> don't tell your kids that, or they'll cry and scream. She says, "But rest is close at hand. We have friends in these borderlands." Uh, I was skeptical about this. This friends thing. She does indeed have friends. You got to trust Moraine. Cut to a green. Does she have friends? Does she have any friends? Uh, she's she got, she got people who take care of her there. Yeah, That's she's sure. got one friend. She's got one friend. Um, and two. She's got the lead. She's got two. <laughs> um, cut to a green touching Rand, and he seems completely rattled. Um, more, Maybe a little bit more so than the rest of the crew. Mm-hmm. He seems a little shaken up. Moraine notices Rand, too. Uh, Moraine, whatever it is you heard in the winds, put it out of your minds. Another fucking command mm-hmm. there's no I'm not asking you here put it out of your minds and it looks like she was kind of maybe talking to Rand a little bit more than the group he's here. got a tear on his face and so mm-hmm. I think like he might be a little bit more affected than seem everybody right else now. seems to be yeah yeah and I don't think that's me I, I think I did notice that to start with and yeah. I, I I think you're meant to think that this whole thing with the queen has really tore him up but we learned later he earned a little bit more than yeah. what we first learned I do think it's interesting that she doesn't say you know it it twists you know, the truth or it lies mm-hmm. or anything that it says is not real. It's just put it out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Yep. And mm-hmm. she says earlier, it's your innermost fears, which, yeah. Um, cut to the city. And we get another scene just like we did with um, the, the previous city that we were in mm-hmm. of them walking into the city. I love this in fantasy shows. It's a way to show you as a sort of pedestrian just entering the city what that would be like as kind of a first person take. It's all the same thing with Tarvalon. Um, and I think we also, we before this, got a really cool shot of the city itself. We got a little bit of a drone shot, and it kind of looked a little bit like a star fort, but also just sort of a fort in general that, I don't know, it's just a really cool set to have. So we've mm-hmm. learned, we've, we've been, here's the sets. Two rivers, mm-hmm. Tarvalon, mm-hmm. Faldara. There we go. Those, Those are the big three. ones. And Those then the we, ones. Have, we have a, the little one we with the mine get... town, which was, I think, a really Pretty area, yeah, mm-hmm. um, but not, but, not yeah. a really yeah. terrible yeah. town, Galden, yeah. like a very West yeah. Virginia setting. We yeah. had, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. going to lose a lot of votes there. Some dark friends in the area. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they walk in and they are greeted by some guys in full regalia. It looks uh, maybe a little bit of armorish, but kind of like also dress. Yeah. Uh, one guy looks at Land and says, "Welcome home, you bloody great bastard." Welcome home was an interesting thing to say. Welcome home, Daishan. Daishan, yeah, bloody great bastard. They walk into what looks like sort of a courtroom and someone who looks like the king, but he's got like feathers on him, like black feathers. And he looks at them with a scowl on his face. He says, your presence warms me, Daishan. Again, talking to uh, Lan. 
and you, Moraine Sedai. So it made a point of saying that he was introducing to both of them. This is a little bit different than what we're used to, right? We're used to people talking to Moraine and Land kind of being in the background. Mm-hmm. He actually got to introduce first yep. before mm-hmm. Moraine. He might this. be a little bit more important for some reason. Seemingly, right? <laughs> Um, what do we owe this pleasure, Moraine? I am here with a warning. Let me guess! This motherfucker cutting off Moraine is a dum-dum. <laughs> he is stupid. Um, and Moraine actually shows patience with him, though. Probably because it's his town. Um, so basically the guy accuses her of only coming to tell him how to run his city. And in the process accuses his sister of communicating with the Aes Sedai behind mm-hmm. his back. So we get a little bit of paranoia from mm-hmm. him there. Um, telling him how to control the blight and the encroaching, encroaching Trollic raids. Quote, I appreciate you making the trip to the Borderlands, but I fear you may have done so in vain. Lord Algamir, if you'll let me finish. Moraine's not putting her foot down, saying, I, if, you know, it doesn't matter what you think. Of <laughs> <laughs> she explains that she's not there to advise him. He should control his kingdom as he sees fit. She's only there with a warning. The Dark One has begun to use the ways to move his armies. So while it may... While you may want to continue to guard the gap, it might be prudent to have a group of men of the uh, group of men wall up the Faldar and Waygate as well. So, kind of funny though, like because mm-hmm. she literally in the same thing says, "I'm just I'm not here to tell you what to do. Here's what you should do. You should take <laughs> some guys and go wall." Up. Like you know, she immediately yep. tells him what to do. Yeah. But the guy doesn't call her out for it. He seems a little bit shaken by this idea that they're they're using the Waygate to, mm-hmm. to move yeah. the Dark One's army. So he just says, do as she says. Like he just backs off of it and says, let's do it. Yeah, so yeah. she says, I'm not here to tell you how to run your city like or protect against the Blight, but there are things that I'm going to tell you. There is something that you need to know. Exactly. Because this could be a huge problem for you if they come from She does kind of tell him what city. to do. Yeah. But he takes it. And, <laughs> yeah. he, you know, yeah. I think that the the fact that, like, we established that this guy does not like being told what to do. Yeah. He yes. jumps straight. But this idea that the Dark One is using the way gate or the, the ways to move his army yeah. freaks him out. And it seems like a common purpose that they now have to be scared right. of yeah. that right. happening. And so what I'll say is... Um, and we kind of get this, but it, it's a little hard to piece together, is that the Waygate is basically behind this fort city. And, and the, the, the army of darkness and, and Trollocs and, and the Blight is on the other side. And so she basically just told him, like, hey, like your back is exposed right now. And yep. so... Yep. He then susses out that he, after he says, do as she says, he then susses out that he offended her. Um, I don't know how he could have told because Moraine's face stays exactly the same this entire thing. Um, maybe it's a little bit of projection. He says, we have a long history of standing together with the Aes Sedai, the White Tower. That will not change, quote, while the Black Hawk still flies. I think he's talking about himself in third person. Yeah. yeah. Douche. Well, well, Black Mamba situation. Douche. Yeah, it's a little Kobe with Black <laughs> I mean, Mamba. He's talking about his banner. Right. Yeah. So it, it's but like... he well, looks like he's dressed like a Black Hawk. Yeah, yeah. so, so he, he, is he is a representation that nation basically i think he's earned the right to say he's the black hawk i i do believe that <laughs> my, my issue is that he's talking in third person well so that's so, that's douchey no matter who you are well I think okay he, lee, lee doesn't like I'm gonna, people talking yeah, in third person i, I don't think he's, yeah. <laughs> i was gonna be like i'm gonna call you out the next time you talk uh, about yourself in third person so i don't think he's referring per se to himself but but i didn't feel like i was going out on a ledge to say this guy was a douche am i am i, <laughs> no, no, are we, I am i far out here he seems to establish himself as sort of being a jackass. I mean... A little bit. A little bit. And I think we get a little bit of that from his sister as well. But he's also sister. pretty reasonable. She's so weak. <laughs> She's not a full sister. She doesn't even use the one power well. Uh, she sucks. But, but like he does wing. have this like reasonable response to her. 
and and is like, oh, all right, we'll do what you said. It does. So it seems to me like, let me see if I have a right read on this character. He seems um, very proud. Yeah. And he doesn't want to be told what to do, but he also really does cherish the connection with the White Tower and the Aes Sedai. So he really doesn't want to break that. And so while he comes out hot, he does back up and say, well, we do want to you know, keep this alliance together. And he is really motivated by um, protecting, protecting the city. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, Lee's going to continue now. Uh, <laughs> cut to the way gate, and we see someone walk out of the way gate. Sarah and I sitting there go, oh my God, it's Matt. Oh my God, it's Matt. Oh, oh my God, it's Matt. Things. It ain't Matt, ladies and really? gentlemen. Oh. I, I feel like the coat was such a quick giveaway. It just looked like Matt to me. Uh, yeah. It looked okay. like Matt to yeah. us. I mean, she... She was knitting and I was playing on my phone, but we thought it was mad. You have reasons to be like, oh, yeah. Um, it was Pod and Fane, obviously. <laughs> that, that's what we see. So when did you realize that it was Pod and Fane and not Matt? I'll get to that point. <laughs> oh, um, dear. Yeah, it, it wasn't here. Uh, Moraine is taken to her room by the sister of the Blackhawk. Do you know her name? Amelisa. Amelisa? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to attempt to say that going forward in the recap. I will mess that up. Moraine asks if uh, the seer is still in town. Moraine says, I'd like to see her. Amelisa says, uh, why bother? Uh, she doesn't, you know, why would you even want to see her anyway? And um, Maureen's like, well, why not? And then the, uh, the Amelisa says, yeah, I agree with you. My brother doesn't believe with you. And then Maureen, boom, boom, body shot right there, says, well, why ask her a question when you know all the answers anyway? So, <laughs> snap. Um, so what we do get is uh, Maureen name drops the seer before, and Amelisa refers to as the seer. Um, it's super quick, and you, this is super frustrating for the casual viewer, and, and I don't know why they're doing this so much in this show, is that you get a name, like, maybe once. Sometimes they're important, sometimes they're not, but, like, mm-hmm. it's never really repeated. And so if you're not watching with captions, you might not know somebody's name. And I don't think that there's a good reason for this. Maybe they have, like, a decision, but Moraine says, I- I'm going to see men." Then Amelisa responds, the seer, and continues. And so we'll see what, yeah. what they end up doing, why they're making these choices. But I think that it's harder to pick up on who people are because this is, there are going to be so many characters in this show. And they're probably going to be narrowing it. They're going to be narrowing it down from the books, but it's still going to be tough. Well, they clearly want to keep the names. Yeah. Right? They don't want to have people be nameless, right? Yeah. Um, but I think in this scene, to them, it was more important that we know that she's a seer. So they yes. wanted to drive mm-hmm. that point home over right. and over again. But we don't get later, we don't get her name later when Moraine's talking to her or anybody else. And right. So, yeah, it's just like, fun. Moraine could have come up and been like, how are you doing, men? Right. Mm-hmm. And then, anyway. Yeah. Um, then Amelisa says, um, if I were to ask you why you were in the ways, would you give me the courtesy of an answer? Moraine <laughs> gives us a little background about her character. She goes, you know, you spent many years training at the White Tower, but <laughs> your power might not have been strong enough to join us. Whoop. Uh, discreet as I may be, this is Amelisa uh, talking back to her, uh, discreet as I may be, my, ally, my allegiance lies with this city, not with the Emerald Sea. But as she says that, she's like looking around as to who might be listening. Maybe that's, maybe that's genuine. But I took it as she always felt like she was being listened to. That's what it seemed like to me. Uh, Moraine then says, look, I need a message delivered to the tower. Oh, what, what a fucking, oh my God. There's a man they must find, a boy really, Matt Cawthon. She asks, who should say, who should we, Emily says, who should I send a message to? Moraine, the Red Aja. Ah! Poor Matt. Moraine just went, yeah. fuck Matt, here's a shotgun. Like, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god! In uh, in the the, the pod I do with with Spencer where we review Succession, we have to have breaks where we just scream. Um, this seems like one of them. Oh my god! So basically, Moraine <laughs> has flipped so much on Matt. I'm getting nothing from Bree. Bree, you think this is like no big deal? Like. <laughs> I'm just real this entertained huge, by this. This is a huge deal, right? Because she's flipped on him so much that she's sending the red haja after him. So she wants to channel this motherfucker? Like, what? Gentle the mother Gentle. Gentle. Yeah. Man, yes. gen- gentle? So, so he can't channel? I, I think that there are a lot of things going on here and, like, who she, she's to, choosing to do what. Um, I think she might know that Matt can't channel um, and is, A, making sure that they will track him down and B, setting them up for failure because one of their big things is tracking down men who channel, but Matt has like other things going around him. Do we know Matt can't channel? Uh, I th- I'm, it, I'm not saying one way or the other whether Matt can channel. I think uh, Moraine he kinda doesn't think that he can channel. <laughs> he kind of did. Uh, I and don't remember know. that Moraine always has many more plans than we ever see, so I, I would not be surprised if she pulls something out of her hat that something suck. like setting the... Red Aja to you stumble. Guys, you guys suck. Look, it, that, that, that we should have been. Look, this we're is we're in court. No, you, this is a. This is this is a, y'all like you're probably right. <laughs> like okay, like but let, but that's not the point. The point is it's supposed to be like a oh shit moment that she's now got her sights set on Matt in yep. a way that we did not know she was doing. Yeah, no, before. no. The, the idea that she probably could be setting up the Red Aja for failure if he can't channel, and that she's probably got some other things going on. I'm sure that's all. This is our right. response to the oh shit. And it's like, what is she? Wait a minute. All right. So these are the things that she could she be doing. She has to have a reason. She's, like, she's got to have a reason. She like she's not going to be supporting the red Aja just for absolutely no reason. I don't think she's supporting them. I thought she was. I thought she was using to, like they were nothing more than muscle to accomplish what she wanted, right. which is to yeah. absolutely neutralize Matt. Which I do think it's interesting because okay, so Lee, you know, thinking about if if she thinks that Matt can channel or that there's a possibility. She then has decided that even if he can channel, even if he's the dragon, he needs to be gentle. So that actually might be a much better explanation because it's just like, oh, oh shit! If he's the dragon, we need like to, he can't like, be allowed he can't to be allowed to go over the shadow. Like yes. your your sort mm-hmm. of nomination mm-hmm. of the episode. Certainly so not it's just like, all right, person. well, if it's not one of these, like we need to take him out of the equation immediately. Yeah. 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 Anyway, it was a it was a heck of a, a mic drop because it you know they, they it was obvious the show wanted that to be a big moment because they build up to it. There's music behind it and mm-hmm. they smash yeah. up the scene after yeah. she says it. Cut to the city. Moraine is walking through. Got to say, Moraine, um, obviously a beautiful woman, but she looks disheveled, mm-hmm. frustrated, doesn't look herself. Like the the you know it's interesting how you you mentioned that they might be at least in some ways shooting these. These scene, these episodes like concurrently, right? Like back to back. It's not common for shows. If they are doing that, it set her up to act this really well because it does seem like she, her frustration and general level of just being sort of disheveled and out of it is kind of like yeah. increasing as we go along this journey. And, uh, like this is something that that I'd really like to go back and watch because I have a feeling that she wasn't disheveled when she's talking to Melissa, and this is sort of out of sync. Because they had to, like, explain what's going on with Matt. And what should have followed in some ways is, like, coming into the city when she's disheveled from the ways to walking in the city. And, go like, and ha- having those be together. Because, yeah. like, her mm-hmm. hair looks mm-hmm. kind of like it did mm-hmm. when she came out of the ways. So, mm-hmm. um... 
or maybe she just sort of like yeah, yeah. Boop, slipped mm-hmm. it back before she I'm doing hand gestures yeah. right. <laughs> slipped it back before she walked into the bar but anyway Aguin and Matt are in, in tow um, Aguin smiles at Moraine while Rand seems completely irritated um, no it's not Aguin and Matt it's Aguin and Rand are in tow yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aguin smiles at Moraine uh, while Rand seems completely irritated Aguin tries to tell him that he should ignore whatever he heard, heard in the wind none of it is true none of it <laughs> nah nah I doubt that I think a lot of it is true Perrin then whoop he thinks he sees Pod and Fane walk by. Um, I mean, and Pod and Fane laughs. I think yep. you're, yeah, I think I think for a casual viewer, they're going to go, oh, did he, did he not? I mean, but you can, if you want to, stop it mm-hmm. and pause it, which we did. And he does see him. Yes. He is yeah. very clearly there, there if you yeah. want to do that. It, you know, it depends on how you want to watch it, right? Because, I mean, you could you could just watch it and kind of be left in the dark a little bit as mm-hmm. if he saw him. I think that's an okay viewing experience, yeah. too. Yeah. But you can stop it and see him if you want to. Mm-hmm. And you do, because we, we, we stopped him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nynaeve tried to convince him that Pod and Fane is dead. Um, Perrin uh, says their time at Two Rivers seemed like a different life. So are you, you going to go with your uh, what? exposition on the dude in front of the horse now? No. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but it, it is interesting that you know Nynaeve's like, well, you know, he he was there at Bell Time when the Trollocs attacked, so he's dead. And it's like, well, hold up, you guys aren't yeah. dead. Everybody like, thought you and you, Nynaeve you specifically, you specifically everybody thought dead. was dead. Yeah. That's a great so point. like, unless you saw his body, yeah. you can't assume yeah. that. Nynaeve. Well, it's Nynaeve's ego, right? Yeah. She thinks like, yeah. well, I could have survived it, but there's no way he could have done what I did. Yeah. Right. So partially to see Padon Fan and to make sure that he was there, we watched this scene probably like 10 or 15 times. Um, and what came out of this was not Padon Fan. It was how like the the dudes were taking care of the horses and yeah. kind of like so you know, was the a... setup of. And, and so, you know... Do we have a PETA violation? Do we well, need, do we need no, 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 no. There's, there's a cart horse in the background that some dude is helping harness up. And basically, he does the same motion like three times in the background as each of our characters walk past. Mm-hmm. So they're just not doing a very good job of like making sure that their extras are... Are, are doing appropriate horse care and continuing <laughs> no. on from like the harnessing yeah. to the, you know, like, crushing so, them down. But we like, also like, saw this you know. with the Tinkers where there was a couple of scenes where one wagon goes by as they're talking. Mm-hmm. And then you get the next like cut to somebody they, else they, talking. They don't the have same a crazy horse or making, doing their continuity. No, they have they like normal people have doing their continuity. Okay. They're not being very good at following some of those small details. This, this, was, this is the expert consulting that we really well, need on this show. Well, the gypsies exactly. aren't going to take care of anything. Like we can we can move that out. Like these people, I agree. They probably should have been taking care of the horse. I like that. I like that. Breakdown. They're taking care of the horse. So the just horse is not- fine. It's just literally he like moves from one side to the front of the horse and he does that movement three times in the three flashes that we see. You just don't have to do that if you're harnessing up a horse. You just go from one side to the other. <laughs> is that your brief voice? Yes, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Oh, it's your brief voice. Okay. <laughs> little, little, little insight into the household here. Um, yeah, I think that... Uh, I don't know, man. I think that a couple things happen here. Is One is... We now figure out this pod and fang thing. Like if you're a casual viewer, I think that it, it, he's so in the background, literally. But also, mm-hmm. like, tied to the plot. Now they are firmly telling you you need to start paying attention to when yeah. this yes. guy is around. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. important that yeah. he's following them. Did you guys catch him in the ways? Like, just, in the ways? No, I just heard a whistling. I didn't see him. Yeah. The, one of, there there's was a, a lightning flash. flash. And he's standing there. So you can actually see him. Wow, that's a lot of breadcrumbs they're giving us. Now, 
It seems to me that when Moraine or Egwene tap into the one power, everybody goes, okay, we got to trust them. They've got the one power stuff, right? It's high time we start trusting Perrin because he's got some sort of special skill too. He can see, he can hear, he can feel things. I mean, everybody can see and hear. I'm not done. At a higher level that they can. And it's very clear, right? Like, I just don't understand why everybody's still going, oh, well. That's kind of weird that you saw that. Like, probably can see better than how many damn times does it take for him eagle eye something before they stop and go? You know what? We should trust his vision. I think it's also like they don't get it. Like it's just like, well, that didn't make sense, and 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 so it's he's doing things that people don't expect, and we haven't had confirmation by the same person. I also think that it is like a little bit of the fallacy of just like how everybody feels about Perrin in the Mm -hmm. world anyway. I mean, we get a lot of evidence from all of the people around him that they're like, well, I mean, I mean, Perrin, we like the guy, but he's, he's sort of an oaf. Like I'm going to say this. I really like Perrin and I think that he, he's moved, vaulted up my personal power rankings. And I think I'm not saying that's the new, Instead of dragon power rankings, least personal yes. power yeah, rankings. I do this, yeah. on, I do this <laughs> on all the other yeah. pods. So yeah. Moraine is just like by far and away at the top. Yeah, yeah she's well, a well, perpetual so number one. We can do this instead. This is this is not the most interesting character. Almost by definition, it's not going to be the most interesting character. Like, yeah, but it's who I like the most. Ranking. Yeah, um, yeah, anyway, I can, I can like certainly it. do that. But my point is, is that like I think that he clearly has a. Sp- a skill that's kind of separate from this. It's something different. Yeah. And I I think we're starting to get to a point where it's like becoming obvious with the clues he's giving them. And we are leading to a discussion. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it'll be next episode or next season, but at some point someone's going to stop and say, what the fuck is going on with you, dude? You see everything like, and you talk to the wolves. Like let's have a conversation. We do get a little bit of that. So we, we get a, a a tidbit later where I think Moraine's going to come back to this at some point. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So cut to, uh, Moraine walking in and she sees a bartender at this. This is the seer. What's the name? Min. 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 M I N. Okay, great. Uh, cut to, I can and remember then, that one. Cut to the gang okay. having a drink, yeah, and Perrin is trying to explain to Grand what vegetarianism is. Vegetarianism, <laughs> really. He's, uh, Rand is like, so no chicken. You know, people do this with no vegetarians. Chicken, no fish. I, I yeah. spent many years of my life as a vegetarian, and I've had this conversation more times than I can count. <laughs> I tried to eat vegetarian for a while, and my dad sat and grilled me one night, and he's like, all right, but what about, like, beef? <laughs> what about chicken? No, but what? But chickens are stupid. Why would you not eat? Like he was doing that. Thing. And this is kind of what, in a very short order, what Rand is doing. Uh, and then, um, which is kind of funny because like Perrin was not wolfing down that that uh, turnip stew or turnip curry. So no. you know, it's interesting that he's espousing it now. But he, he tries to explain. But we do get an explanation because he tries to explain that the way of the leaf is simple: do no violence. If the whole world followed it, we'd be a whole lot better off. So he was clearly impacted by his time with the Tinkers, right? We, we're, yeah. we're making light yeah. of it. But he, he seems to want to at least hold on to some of the philosophies that he learned by the Twinkers, which I think is really important. And hopefully we see more of that. Rand does make the joke that if the whole world would be a whole lot better off, um, if we followed uh, this, this sort of guidance, Rand would not, or uh, fish would not, uh, <laughs> not fish. So it seems like he's not necessarily vegan. He's mm-hmm. like maybe pescatarian. They still eat fish. <laughs> I don't know. Still trying Sarah, to do that. you want to weigh on, on this? <laughs> I don't, I, you know, no, <laughs> I don't. Only <laughs> the leaf is just. I, I, yeah. I think Perrin's barking up the wrong tree. I think I think we're all like like laughing about the scene, and maybe you should, right? And I did, I did start with the joke about like how people make fun yeah. of vegetarians, but I think the fact that he's holding on to something yeah. about the tinkers yeah. is yeah. something yeah. that we need to remember yeah. about Perrin. 
Yeah. I also like that, you know, clearly this this shows, it's just this little snip, snippet, but it shows that these people are talking about their travels that mm-hmm. they have. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. And so it's a nice little, like, a these little bit of a These people are actually friends yeah. and talk to each and other. And they talk yeah. to each other except, about yeah. what their travels were. Yeah. Except Aguina Matt. She doesn't like him at all. She's a totally rude <laughs> The gang wonders what Moraine's doing at the bar. Um, she asks for any bartender, so Moraine then asks the bartender for any details she can give her. Uh, the bartender, Min, says, uh, that is quite invasive. She asks if the others know what she is. If others knew what you were, you'd be hounded every minute of the day. And Moraine <laughs> attempts a smile. I don't know if you guys caught the <laughs> smile that she gives. It is full forced. My God. I paused it and took a picture. I'm going to tweet it out on our uh, Mango Talks Twitter account. <laughs> it is so forced. I love this actress because like, she's able to play someone playing Plain. something. Yeah. yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. be Moraine, but be Moraine trying to be nice. And it like a scene. She can play a character like, yeah, force. It's, it's really yeah. great, right? Um, this men starts. Well, the big brooding one. Rain cuts her off. They're both big and they both brood. <laughs> well, I love that. She says, uh, "Parent, here it is. Parent has yellow eyes, blood running down his chin. He's something different. They're going to explain it at some point. But he's like a he's like a warg. He's a wolf person." He's a werewolf. I don't know what he is, but he's something different than the rest of these people. Mm-hmm. And the redhead is rocking a baby. That's Rand. He's rocking a baby. Marine, who's baby? Great, great question. <laughs> what the fuck? Who's baby? No idea. Looks like any other baby. <laughs> Men is funny. Babies look like babies. I don't know what to tell you. And the girls, white flame and a ring of gold. All right, I'm going to pause with that. I don't know what that means. I sense it's very important. Um, You're not watch wrong. and find out. Yeah. yeah. And, she, and then she says, but they're all linked, all four of them. Moraine's like, is that unusual? She says, very. She says, there are sparks trying to fill the shadows, and the shadows are trying to swallow the sparks. For what it's worth, they are all very clear visions. Usually, the more important someone is in a pattern, the clearer the vision. That's a lot we're getting right now. Yeah. Yep. Like, there's, yeah. there's this big info dump. symbols, imagery, probably lore from the book, stuff we don't understand yep. yet that yep. we will understand later, but also the fact that, like, simply because she can see her vision strongly in these four people, they are very important to the weaving right, yep. of the world. Um, Moraine, is any any vision particularly stronger than the others? I like how she works that question in. Uh, not particularly. Damn. Thought we were going <laughs> to we figure out who the dragon was in this scene. Um, notice that the lady men just pounds drinks the whole time. Sarah and I had a conversation about this. We were thinking, you know, if you, if you really did, every time you looked at somebody, you saw their future, you probably would want to be pretty yeah. drunk most of the day. Like yeah. you would want to be like you would want to dull that as much as you could. It makes sense that she's just hammering shots. Yeah, here. pretty rough. And yeah, mm-hmm. I think not they, a great life. They do a good job of portraying that this isn't fun. No. This thing no. that she does. This isn't like no. you know something that she enjoys. Um, and I think that they really carry that through. Uh, there's a thread in the books that like talking a little bit about that, but I think they do a good job of of really. Setting that up immediately. And yeah, this was something that a lot of people were worried about because um, we expected this character a little bit earlier, but I like where they put it and how they put it. And they, you know, she, they're doing something here that I think, uh, kill me for the comparison if you want, but I feel like it's done very, very well in Harry Potter, which is you get introduced to a character that has an attribute. That mm-hmm. character is important for that particular moment of the plot. But, the, but you now know that that type of character exists in the world. Like, okay, here's Dobby. He's an house elf. Now you know what house elves are. Like, this is important because it's like, yeah, this lady's important to tell Moraine some information about these individuals in this moment. But now we know what seers are. So that might come up later again in the, the, the show. Anyway. 
Um, it's just a means of creating we'll the, creating the world via the plot. Two birds, one stone situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cuts at the kids at the table talking with Nynaeve sort of standing over. Marine walks in. Uh, this, this is not the table at the um, bar. This is a different, like they're like sort back of living the, quarters yeah. back at the mm-hmm. castle or whatever. Marine walks in and says, we leave at sunrise. Another order. I think we're up to three <laughs> orders now. Ran asked who the bartender was, quote, a woman I've known since I was young, not really answering the question. Nynaeve, stop lying to us, Moraine. You forget, girl. I cannot lie. I don't know that they like each other that much. <laughs> not so much. I don't I think Moraine likes her, to be honest right. with you. So Moraine has known men since she was, since Min was young, not That's, Moraine was young. Yeah. That's what I said. Okay. I've known since, uh, yeah, I've known since she was young, yeah. Okay. Or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, you know. Yeah. Point is, she gives a minor detail a about, the, about the girl and doesn't mm-hmm. answer who she is, which Nynaeve calls out. And Moraine is sick of Nynaeve shit and says, you, I can't lie, no matter how much I wish I could. Moraine then says, all right, fuck it. She sees glimpses of the pattern, the future, and I was hoping she'd tell me which one of you is the dragon so I could save the rest of you. I don't want you to die, any of you. Whichever of one of you goes to the eye of the world and is not the dragon, you will die there. Interesting, right? Because last episode, it seemed like mm-hmm. she was leaning on Swan Sanchez's interpretation of the situation, which was you can't know for certain what will happen to the yeah. ones who are not the dragon who go to the eye of the world. Moraine is now back to her original position, which is if I take you there and you're not the dragon, you're going to die. And she's sharing that with them. Also, maybe she thinks that they'll probably die, but also she now knows that they're all important. Which she may not have really known before this viewing. I feel like she definitely knew that. Otherwise, she wouldn't be carting all four of them through the ways. Well, but but I don't think that she wants... Like, before she was kind of okay with if they die, they die. And now she's like, if... If they're all really important, like I can't, can't just right. lead them to their... Oh, that's a good like each okay, yeah. so I got you. There was a possibility that each was a dragon... Or, like, one of them was the dragon or whatever. And so one of them was It's like, if we lose yeah. the rest, like, I'd prefer not. But, like, but now it's like, oh, okay, they're really important for the future. Yeah. That's a really um, cynical interpretation of what Miranda's saying here. Because you're basically saying that she she didn't care as much about them mm-hmm. as she's professing to now before she... And that, that really her concern is related to their importance to the weaving of the pattern, not the fact that she doesn't want these kids so, to die. I'm not sure that I agree with that. But I mean, it's, way, it's interesting. I just want Lee, to Here, I'll, I'll help you, is the other way you could read this is she has taken the words of Mak and Shen and, and internalized them a little bit, where, you know, you will kill these children and call it heroism mm-hmm. or murder these children. Yeah. And so she's feeling murder. a little guilty about that, right? Very and so she's true. like, yeah. if, I, if there's any way I cannot have them all go with me, that would be great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, she says, whoever goes to the eye of the world is not the dragon will die. You will die there, ground to dust between two forces of nature. Aguin, well, which one is it? Come on. Edge of our <laughs> seat. Moraine, she didn't know. Oh. Moraine says, so I'm taking all of you. Perrin uh, talking for everybody, how can you be so sure? What if Matt's the dragon? Or what if what if we survive? How does she know all this shit? Basically, fair questions from Perrin. Moraine, it's easy to use doubt as a crutch, but doubt is the first step towards surrender to the dark. Well-established Moraine fan sitting over here. Mm-hmm. Lee, number one. Number one fan of Moraine. This is a bullshit line. I don't like this idea. <laughs> this, yep. you, this, this, this is like totalitarian, right? This is like this feels a little you, you Jedi. Can, you can't. No, the Jedi, Jedi are all about questioning things. This, this is this is this is like you can't doubt what I'm telling you. 
And if because if you do, then you're just gonna you're just gonna go and be bad. Like this seems very like controlling. Is what it felt. I like. guess this this sort of reminded me of the fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate thing uh, that that we got with the Jedi. That's a little bit you know totalitarianist in in. Yeah, I guess, I guess I guess maybe yeah. Um, I mean it, that 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 to me felt more of um, a Jedi does internal work to control yeah, their emotions. Yeah. Um, as opposed to this, which is you doubt me, you you doubting me as a crutch, and that's going to lead you to the to the dark side. Like that's like come I on, don't think they, they can have a healthy doubt. Like, them doubting Moraine, it's them doubting that like this is necessary. Like you know that that they need to do this to oppose the dark one, and it's just like you know what can we do like that's not as tough. I think that think the so? other the other valence that's going on here is like, I think that Moraine is sort of saying both of those things, but we just talked about how she might be internalizing what Manchin Shen, yeah. Shen said that I think she's talking to herself here as well. If yeah. I start to doubt, we're Everything's really fucked. Gonna yeah. 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 Um, Maybe. So yeah. do you think Egwene thinks that she's the dragon in this scene? And yeah. that's why she's asking. Yeah. Okay. I do. I still think she thinks that. Marine says she didn't choose this path for herself any more than they did, but you will follow, or I will follow, Marine. I will follow because I must. Because I know what is right. Nynaeve says, well, you made your choice. We'll make our own. Powerful as you are. I don't think you can drag the four of us there against our will. Pausing the podcast. <laughs> I want to have a conversation about this. <laughs> Do we think Marine can drag all four of them? It's just an interesting thought experiment here uh, based on what we know of the powers in the show. Nynaeve wonder. Nynaeve clearly doesn't think so. Um, later on, it seems as though Lan and Moraine think that maybe she can mm-hmm. in the conversation mm-hmm. they have. So I'm wondering what, what, what the panel thinks. Do we, I'm going to go round robin. Do we think that Moraine, if push comes to shove, could drag the four of them to the eye of the world, Sarah? The only, I think that yes, 90% of the time that she could do it. I think my question is, I don't quite know how much Nynaeve can control her power surges it's a little unclear because at this point she's only really been able to do them in extreme emotional distress. I don't know if this moment would warrant that. Would, would, would be acute enough to get her there, right? And mm-hmm. I'm not sure that she can call on it at will, really. Yep. Um, so you give us a non answer here? It's yes. a die answer. <laughs> yes. It's not a yes I'm or I've not no? lied. It's not a, a yes nine or Find the lie. <laughs> so you're saying probably unless Nynaeve freaks out. Yes. Okay, BJ. I'm going to say no. Um, I think that there are very few scenes that we've had so far where Moraine's really handling more than like one or two bodies at the same mm-hmm. time, unless it's just like a, a like complete area of effect thing. Um, so in the uh, Battle of the Two Rivers, there was a lot of like, do one thing, then the next, then the next. There wasn't a whole lot of, like, gather up all of the Trollocs and hold them at the same time. I think that... Unless, well, except the last thing that she did with a one big blast, but it wasn't controlling them physically or something. But, right. but it was, like, stone after stone after stone, it, like or sort of, like, at the same time. But, again... Yeah, um, it wasn't holding them. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, with Lance's help, she probably maybe could drag all of them. But, it, again, it's kicking and screaming. So that's probably not how you want to go through the blight. Can you, Do you think she can take right. him through the blight? So I, I'm going to say only if she is able to get the jump on them, and let's say she, you know, binds them up while they're sleeping, drugs them, and then drags them to the blight. That was my thought: mm-hmm. is that she doesn't have to use her one power to get Perrin and 
maybe a green there. A green's going to go there no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think a green could help her. Because Lan could take Perrin there, right? So, um, my, take my thought is that, my, my, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my thought is that the thing that they were doing to Loghain, yeah. what is that, where they, they put the, the shield, the shield? Yeah. she mm-hmm. could shield Nynaeve and take her there. That mm-hmm. was my yeah. thought. So I, I agree fair, most yeah. with Bree, not yeah. that I'm right, but like, I agree most with Bree that like, mm-hmm. um, that it, she needed to jump on her probably to do it. And I think, you know, the, uh, maybe minor spoilers, but I think this is the only time in the entire series where Maureen has a chance of being able to take all four of them. So yeah, I mean, I know they're going to get more powerful. I don't think that's that's much yeah. of a confusion. That was sort of mm-hmm. my... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moraine, running, hiding, won't save you from the weaving of the pattern. Make your decisions tonight. We leave at dawn. Another potential line of the episode and also another command from Moraine. I think we're up to four now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rand, nothing an Aes Sedai says is optional. There you go. <laughs> God damn, this lady, man. She doesn't give us a lot of choices. Um... Statements and demands. That's all she's in the business of. She'll force us if she wants. Nynaeve, let her try. Woo! Egwene, we love Two Rivers to protect the people we love, our families, and that is what we're still doing, no matter the cost. Nynaeve says, um, you believe Moraine. You basically, why do you believe everything she says? This entire prophecy, this entire thing, this whole concept that one of us is the dragon, we're going to the eye of the world, we're going to defeat the dark one, etc. It all comes from her. Like, this is kind of the conversation we were having earlier, mm-hmm. where I was like, you know, like this idea of like doubt and like mm-hmm. if you doubt it, then then you're somehow like showing weakness that well, the dark side will exploit or whatever the dark one will exploit. Like it is still all coming from her. So yep. it is still kind of like doubting Moraine is is doubting your place in the weaving of the pattern at this moment. Maybe they'll get some external evidence at some point. But right now it's still all coming from her, which I think is a very fair point from Nynaeve. Um, Aguin then points out she can't lie. It's trying to take Moraine's back, and Rand says that doesn't mean she can't mislead. Again, Rand just crushing it this episode, <laughs> making great points. Nynaeve says there's another option here, and that is that Moraine could be flatly wrong. Like, not that she's lying or misleading. Mm-hmm. She thinks she's right, and she's wrong. That's yeah. the second most exciting thing in, in Nynaeve's world. <laughs> yeah, Moraine could be wrong. <laughs> Land one, Moraine sucks too. There you go. Um, here comes a potential line of the episode from Aguin. I don't give Aguin a lot of props normally in my recap, but I really like <laughs> where she what she does here and how she steps up. I'm not doing this because I'm convinced she knows exactly what she's talking about. I want to go to the eye of the world because if there's even a chance she's right, then it's worth it. You're a wisdom. Point to Nynaeve. If Moraine wasn't part of this, you wouldn't think twice. You'd do it. Don't let your pride uh, prevent you from doing what is right. So really powerful there from McQueen calling yeah. out Nynaeve and mm-hmm. you know if you go back to the first episode Nynaeve was more of a teacher to a queen right? yes mm-hmm. um, and she's really kind of stepping up into her own and, and challenging Nynaeve a little bit and Nynaeve takes it which I thought was interesting mm-hmm. Nynaeve typically strong jaw don't question me I'll punch you in the face like just like <laughs> bubbling anger all the time mm-hmm. but when she talks to a queen it's very different Aguine can get to her and, and actually make points to her and you see that Nynaeve takes it she like crosses her arms and turns and gets contemplative. So um, very interesting back and forth there. Perrin, also really good that you go. noticed the crossing your arms. That is a uh, Nynaeve trope um, at, uh, among other people, but Nynaeve is, is very well known for that. For crossing her arms? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Underneath her bosom. <laughs> Perrin still, that's what it says in the book. Oh yeah. Arms crossed under the bosom. So much arm crossing under the bosom. Robert Jordan talk about bosoms a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. uh, so, unfortunate. Uh, Perrin still wants to know what if we're throwing our wives away for nothing? What if none of us are the dragon? What if it's Matt? Egwene, come on. 
<laughs> we all know it's me. Come on. Her confidence that it's her is hilarious. You know, she is the she's the ball player that like is like you know like in the in the dream team, right? Um, Jordan was checking into the hotel in Barcelona, and a reporter said, "Hey, look, a lot of talent on this team. Last five seconds to go, you're down one. Who takes the shot?" He stopped, laughed, and said, "That's a stupid question. Me." Like, I feel like Aguin has that level of confidence, but she's Charles Barkley. She doesn't know <laughs> that she's not Michael Jordan. Like, it's just fascinating to watch. Um, but Rand challenges her not on this concept that she's the dragon or whatever. He challenges her friendship with Matt and says, you never thought much yeah. of him, have you? Never gave him a chance. You never really got to know him. Basically, using almost like a classist type thing with her. saying mm-hmm. you think you're better than him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he doesn't have much, but what he has, he gives either to his sisters or his friends. He's better than you think he is. Basically, is mm-hmm. what she does mm-hmm. um, when she challenges him. Uh, Only standing up for Matt we get in this episode. Everybody else is real down on him. Yeah, yeah. especially me. Nynaeve, yeah. um, <laughs> he keeps saying, stop, stop, jumping in to try to stop them. McGuin says, um, well, he left us. Ran, woo, pushes back and says, well, he probably went back to, uh, Ran pushes back and says, no, he didn't leave us. You don't believe that. And she says, well, he probably went back to Tarvalon for that bloody dagger. <laughs> Damn. That's tough. Um, Aguin then yells, he left us, ran. Well, I guess you're the expert on that, aren't you? Perrin, hulking up, mm. becoming green. <laughs> Are you seeing, like, he starts to talk different when he gets mad. Like, there's yeah. something going on with this cat. Um, he says, you know, basically not liking what he heard. Um, Aguin says, what is that supposed to mean? Rand, you're the only one that's ever really left me. Perrin, don't speak to her that way. <laughs> Ran, what? Perrin, you owe her an apology. Perrin seems like, again, like he's just, mm. yeah. something is happening with him. Nynaeve yells, stop it. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm so sick of you two fighting over her like she's something you can win. So. She said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to say that. Nynaeve. Mm. Mm-hmm. So and you can see it in her face. She's like, oh. <laughs> I did not mean to actually. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Ran just laughs and says this. It's been right. Right in front of me the whole time, and I never even noticed it. The day this is really interesting backstory. Mm-hmm. The day you proposed to Layla was the day Aguin and I got together. I'm not even gonna save it for theory time. I think our boy Perrin was in line for Aguin, and when Aguin shacked up with Rand, he said, "Okay, second choice here, Layla." I think that's what happened. Now I, I realize you guys probably don't have anything to say to that because Layla's not even a character in the book. But um, that's <laughs> she my actually, well, she's she's a very a very minor character, not married to not married to. But I, I think that the it's unclear if it was a, like how serious like Perrin was with Egwene, like and you know how serious even in his head that he was, mm-hmm. and you know this might have just been like a something that spurred him along. Um, but I mean, it's definitely. And open a little bit of a, a sore spot. I don't know. I think he... I, I mean, I did that when I was a kid. Like, I would be, like, trying to, like, get with some girl. And she's like, no, I actually choose Justin. And I'd be like, oh, well, I've liked Jamie all along. Like, <laughs> you know, you always do that hop and ship thing. Yeah. I think that's what he was doing. Um, Perrin then gets very self-conscious about this. The only woman I've ever loved was my wife. They get face-to-face. Rand doesn't seem too scared of Perrin here. And I think he probably should be. Rand is strong as shit. But, like, Perrin seems like he's really in another space here um but eventually Rand does back up and walks out and Nynaeve I didn't mean to go ah, ah I don't hear it. uh Perrin then leaves and Nynaeve is left there alone almost crying really affected 
you know, you don't see a lot of scenes. You see a lot of scenes from her where she's strong-jawed and angry. You don't see mm-hmm. a lot of scenes where she's emotional. And it seems like the mm-hmm. fact that she upset these kids really bothers her. Yeah. She like She's almost like a, their warder, man. And they, they, have, they draw that yeah. parallel later. Yeah. But, like, she seems so emotionally affected when they're not okay. Yeah. Like, it's not just a matter of protecting them physically. It's a matter of making sure they're happy. We also see a lot more emotional range from everybody this yes. uh, episode. And, and I think that's sort of maybe one of the reasons that, you know... Spoiler, this is probably one of my favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite episode so far. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cut to Moraine. Uh, she's got PJs on. Uh, <laughs> Lan walks up to her and says, they'll come. Moraine willingly. Lan says, we gave them a semblance of a choice. Semblance. That's all they were looking for. So it, it could be read a couple mm-hmm. ways, right? That all we needed to do is give them a breadcrumb and they would come along, right? Or you can read it as, well... They don't really have a choice. Like mm-hmm, we, mm-hmm. we 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 gave them a symbol. We'll hog time we'll, and we'll take drag them, them yeah. if we need to, yeah. which goes yeah. back to our conversation. Like, so I think Lan thinks that the, between the two of them, they could drag them there. Mm-hmm. I think that also Moraine realizes that she's not going to have to drag all four. She knows that Egwene's going to leap Come at the along. chance yes, to do absolutely. anything. Erin yeah. will probably follow her. And so at most, like she has to deal with Rand and Nynaeve. Yeah, yeah. and right. and it, you know, up until this point, it seems like it would be easy to handle Rand, but yeah. <laughs> does that change? Um, Lan asks her what's wrong and Moraine says nothing nostalgia I suppose the air in these borderlands she says it reminds her of the night she met Lan Lan kind of cocks his head thinks Lan be a little spectrum here a little spectrum he's not participating in the conversation he's judging what is being said by the person talking to him as opposed to participating in it and says it's not like you it's unlike you to dwell on the past Moraine says she's feel then they have a very honest conversation Moraine says I feel like I've taken everything from you and more Lan finds that peculiar, says, you have taken nothing from me. Um, she says, there's more to life to me than the mission. Lan, potential line of the episode, before you I had nothing to live for and nothing to die for, you have given me both. Um, I, I would say in, def- in defense of Lan, I think that Moraine was going, thinking about saying something else and decided on just going with nostalgia rather than like some of the things that she's I probably shouldn't with. describe yeah. it as spectrum but it is something that people do and I, you've done it sometimes to me BJ <laughs> I mean you know, I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing but it's like where you, you say something and then the person is thinking about what you said and comments on what you said as opposed to reacting it's to the analysis. substance of it yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of what he's doing here and maybe they're just so close that this is commonplace between the well, two yeah. and we have seen a similar scene to this right when when Lan has a drink and Maureen yeah. is a little emotional. Like, yeah, yeah. there's, there's, yeah. it's a callback to that. I um, think, uh, so my, my perspective on this uh, is that they're not as close as a lot of the, um, the, the warders and I said I are. I don't think. It doesn't seem that way. I mean, like, well, personally close. Like, yeah. All that. Yeah. Or even, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe even bonded as close. I mean, their, their dynamic is very different than what I was seeing with the other warder and I said I. And maybe that was just them. Maybe that was just their thing. But I, I don't know. I, it just seems to me like what they have is a little peculiar, um, and maybe not in, in co- like common with the Aes Sedai Warder relationship. And we see that kind of play out toward the end of the episode. Well, does. the other thing that it could be is that they have and had a very strong relationship, but now there's little fractures. Could be because of mm-hmm. naive, mm-hmm. among other things. Um, yeah. And the other thing that I think we get some of is. Maureen's a little different just in general in terms of like how close yeah, like she different. holds her secrets. Mm-hmm. And so Which we got from the other Aes Sedai and their comments yeah. about right. her. Right, yeah. exactly. And so I think that in certain things, 
like Len understands but is frustrated by she's not going to tell him everything because of how worried she is about like her plans. Well, I also wouldn't just put this on on Moraine either because they're both you said Lee you said that their relationship was peculiar they're both fucking peculiar people in the right. world right yeah. because we got we actually got sort they're of both strange yeah yeah we got some sort of parallel external validation of that in the camp right because all the Aes Sedai were talking about Moraine and some of the Warder's words too as well about how distant she is mm-hmm. difficult to read just hard to deal with and we also got in the camp them talking about Lan mm-hmm. being like right. man he's a, he's a enough, tough nut to crack too so right. and I, I think that and what was the comment like? What their dinner their dinner conversation? Yeah. 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 One of the things that I didn't really think about before, but they sort of have really similar stories in terms of Lan is, and we'll get to this in a little bit in the recap, but a very singular person mm-hmm. uh, as uh, an uncrowned king, and like what how he has lived his life. And Moraine is basically, other than Swan, maybe like the only person on this quest to find the dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that they're used to being lonely and they they found each other, but they're still kind of lonely together. Yeah. yeah. Moraine seems touched by what Lan said and says, there aren't there goodbyes you need to make in the city before we go? Lan goes to leave. Moraine, I like her, you know, the wisdom. No. No, no you don't. <laughs> well, it has I think... to be true at some level. She, no. This is, mis- <laughs> this is absolutely misleading. I think that she, there's parts of her she likes. That's how she was able to say it and get around the oath. Yeah. But I think that ultimately what she's doing here, and I'm very interested in you guys' opinion, is she's giving him permission to, to do the hookup that happens later. I think she's saying, it's okay. I know you like her. I like her too. Run forth. Go forth and conquer. Good sir. <laughs> uh, I think a little bit might be, like, I don't want you to have divided loyalties in terms of, like, I dislike her, and so if you're hanging out with her, that's a problem with me. Like, I, I, I'm... That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I think it's sort of a, you don't need to go off the reservation to do this. Yeah, go ahead. Like, it's like it's a permission mm-hmm. type thing. So, what did you think, sir? No, go for it. Well, um, so, I mean, I think that... I think that actually her saying, I like her, you know, the wisdom, um, is a little bit more true than you're portraying it. Sure. I, I think, agree. I think that she genuinely does like her. I actually think that Moraine actually really likes Nynaeve. I think Nynaeve doesn't like Moraine. Yeah. And so there's a distance there that Moraine is kind of feeding off of that. But I think that Moraine actually really admires Nynaeve in a lot of ways. So what, yeah. that, that would be my question, and I, I know I cut you off, I'm sorry, but what, my question would be, what does she like about Nynaeve? Nynaeve's given her nothing to like. I mean, I think that she likes her, like, her independence and her, I mean, I think that she, this sounds so corny, but, like, I think that she likes her spirit. Okay. Yeah, so that was, what I was going to say is I think Maureen sees a lot of herself in Nynaeve. So that that person that is willing to sacrifice anything for these people that she is hurting along, um, and Maureen has a lot of a lot of spiciness, a lot of anger in there, and she has really tamped down on it and you know covered it by the eyes that I training, and Nynaeve hasn't gotten there yet, but I think they are in in many ways similar people. Okay. Yeah, I, I think and. We get a little bit of this with some of Moraine's uh, backstory and, and, and talking with other people, but I think that there's so much that Moraine sees in Nynaeve that is very similar to her in terms of strength of the one power. Um, strength of will. Strength of will. Like, all of those things that it's just like, I, I like the person that she will become. Yeah. 
more than like maybe the person that I, I think that Moraine doesn't love interacting with her now because she's difficult to deal with. She's not like following with like the uh, hour straight path that Moraine wants to go on, but she recognizes that like there's a lot of potential here and somebody that she will like who Moraine becomes or who Nandi becomes. Yeah. So the other thing that I'll say is I don't know. I didn't actually read it as giving her or giving him permission to go off and do a Nynaeve conquest. I actually thought that it was more setting up. I think we've gotten a lot of sort of foreshadowing. I don't know if this will come true in this turning of the wheel um, is that Moraine is setting up for, she at least thinks that she's going to die at the eye of the world as well. Because anybody who co- goes, except for the dragon reborn, is going to die. Sure. I mean, yeah. We, I mean, uh, And so she's sort of being like, hey, like, if I'm not here, Nynaeve is... Yeah, I mean, I think she's, it's obviously setting up for Moraine okay. to die. Not, I mean, I say obviously, but in my mind, for Moraine to die and for him to bond to Nynaeve as Nynaeve becomes a nice to die and then to, 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 to hook up. I, I, think, I think there's definitely a path there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what So that's she, what I thought that, that could she be, was giving permission for. Could be, could, there very well could be, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's charged, right, what she says. Yeah. I, I like her, you know, the wisdom. I think we're meant to have this conversation, which is really good. The only thing I did note, though, is that she certainly wasn't smiling when he left. Moraine still seemed a little... Like not happy, and, yeah, yeah. not yeah. happy when she when he left. Uh, we see Lan walking in the alley. We see Nynaeve is following him. Oh, <laughs> cut to Lan showing up to greet like a family. Sad puppy dog. Uh, here's what I enjoy about this scene is that you see that like well, you know all the um, orders at the camp talked about Lan like he was just cardboard, right? Mm-hmm. He's not. He's he can be warm. Like he sits yeah. down with his family and treats them like family. He's like yeah yeah yeah, give me a bowl of soup. Like and he's making fun of the trollocs with the girl and he's like. He just seems like a normal dude. Like, and it, he clearly has that gear. I'm not sure Moraine has that gear, right? Like, I, <laughs> we've never seen it from Moraine. Uh, but this sort of, like, I'm just a normal person here um, interacting in a family. I thought it was just a very, like, interesting little snapshot into his personality. I think that there are very few people that they can be normal with. I think the closest we get is with Swan for Moraine. And then Lan yeah. has his family. Sure. She would... Maybe it's how the actress is doing it. But even with Swan, it seemed like she was a little... Guarded. It's been two yeah. years. Yeah, been two years. Um, so Nynaeve's standing there looking. Um, we see, you know, like, it's like a, like from Lan, like he kind of cocks his head a little bit, and then wham, he's right there in front of her. Um, it's funny because, you know, they had this whole thing about how she was able to track him, and he's like, eh. Got your number I now. I think you're following me. I can't, I don't think you can <laughs> rightly call this tracking. Uh, Lan sort of walks by her, and then he says, you're going to come in? And she smiles. He then introduces her to, quote, everyone. Um, a guy walks up, brings her in. Are you hungry, Nynaeve Sedai? Oh, no, I'm not a Sedai, but I will eat with you. Now, yeah. I think we all think she's going to be a Sai Sedai. At some point, the guy whispers in the background, she's pretty. Like, <laughs> I hadn't noticed. It's so funny. It's like whatever happens, it, like, it, like you bring your girlfriend to Thanksgiving and your aunt's in the corner, you know, she's really pretty and everybody can hear what she's saying. It's exactly what's going on here. Um, uh, as she sits down, the guy says, thank you for keeping my Daishan safe and bringing him home to me. Um... That's when Lan starts messing around with the child about the Trollocs as they walk away. So they're done with dinner. They're done visiting with this family. Nynaeve says that he's good with the girl. He says, well, always bring her gifts. Gotta say, just an aside, always bring kids gifts. 
it's just an easy, cheap way to be in with the kids. Yeah, always mm-hmm. do it. What does it cost you? Five bucks for something? Or just bring Lee's them something? Life yeah. Maybe they, yeah, Lee's Life Lessons. <laughs> they can toss the toy at the end of the evening, but if you bring them something, they'll remember yeah, that you're always going to remember. remember. Yeah. yeah, you're always the good guy. The parents love it too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they stop at the door on the way to their rooms. Uh, man, this is like so like Riverdale, right? This is like young teen drama where they're like right in front of the doors like, okay, are we going to say goodnight? Are we going to lean in? Um, And finally, um, Lance says goodnight and he leaves her. And I honestly thought that was the end of it. Mm -hmm. They fooled me. So did I. Um, I will also say that uh, a non-obvious thing that they're both probably struggling, they're both probably struggling with this relationship for different reasons uh, Lan is a lot older than Nynaeve is. Um, and, like, we know that from, from show, like, the show, like, if you get some of the hints there. And yeah. Nynaeve is obviously, you know, fairly uncomfortable with, and we get a little bit more of this with Egwene later, but being wisdom and, and not being attached to a dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I posit, I wondered if she was a virgin here um, because of her, not, not because of how she acts with Lan. Mm-hmm. But because of her role in Two Rivers, I didn't think it would. She would be like really out on the town looking for guys, right? So I thought maybe she, this might be one of her first sexual interactions. Hard to tell, but very um, possibly. Yeah, it mm-hmm. could. It, if it is, then it adds just mm-hmm. even more seriousness to yeah. it. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he says goodnight. He walks in. I also in. like this. So their whole interaction between Nynaeve and Lan when they're walking back, we get one of the first like real grins from Nynaeve that's just so genuine and it was like I really liked that. It showed like her as a not angry person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will um, say that the actress who plays Nynaeve gets crushed like a lot of places. People are not happy with her performance. I feel like she had a kind of a break, almost in the same way you were talking about Land, uh, Rand. Mm-hmm. I feel like she kind of had a breakout episode. She showed a yeah. little bit more depth yeah. to the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so she walks in and uh, Land is taking his shirt off. Uh, applause there. Going to ask uh, Brie and Sarah, how does Land look in this scene? Um, I mean, I'm gonna, it's real awkward, but amazing. I'm going to have to take an emotional laugh. <laughs> that was my reaction to this scene. I just did an emotional laugh around the room. Not a stitch of fat on that guy. Good <laughs> God. He's, man, he's in good shape. Um, Lan finally makes the move. Finally. And uh, cuts to the next morning. Nynaeve gets dressed fast. Boy. She does not. She doesn't lay around. Um, that, then we talked about the... Uh, so it's not the next morning. It's still at night. Because yeah. she's dressed and, and he... Like there, there's a conversation. He's like, "Come back to bed." At the end of it. Okay. Well. Anyway, I, I got the feeling it was like, when I'm saying next morning, I'm like two, three o'clock in the morning. Okay. Sure. Yeah. They're they're, they're blending into the night. Right. Like, yeah. They're, right they're up very yeah. late. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she does come back to bed because she doesn't get back to her bed uh, yeah. until she was caught by a green, <laughs> which was very funny later. Um, cuts a ran uh, practicing his bow outside, and I. I, I I thought the conversation between her and Lan happened here, or was it later? Yeah, so actually, it so they actually cut to black when Nynaeve comes in. They go to the bed or whatever, and then it cuts to Lan or to Rand with the bow. Okay, and yeah. then after that, oh, cuts we get the whole discussion yeah. between Nynaeve and Lan. Yeah, yeah. okay, we'll get there. Some wrong. Yeah. yeah, cut to Rand. He's practicing his bow outside. Egwene uh, comes out and says, "I waited in my room a whole hour for you to come and apologize." And Rand. <laughs> Rian has a great quote here. I found through hard won experience that when you're actually ready to talk, you'll find me. Um, that makes her more angry, as it should, <laughs> I guess. It's, it seems like he's just got a great read on her. Uh, Rand, I'm sorry. I know there's nothing between you and Perrin. She says, Of course there isn't. That, and the jury has determined that is a lie. 
Um, but she says that that's not why she's mad, basically. She's mad about what he said about Matt and, and that she doesn't care about him. Okay. And she, she says, I would fight for Matt. I'd die for Matt. Uh, do we believe that? There's a no from VJ. No from Sarah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to say no on no this f- turning of the wheel. No from mm-hmm. Brie and no from me. That's four no's on the would she die for Matt. Rand, I'm scared still am. I don't want to lose you. Egwene says you won't. Egwene says Moraine is wrong about one thing. We're all coming back. All of us. Damn it. Uh, Rand says, well, okay. Well, whatever happens um, at the eye of the world, you can't ignore the power that you have. So basically what he's telling her is like, it's interesting, right? Because he's kind of saying like, whatever happens over here with this eye of the world thing, mm-hmm. you got to go back to the White Tower and be an Aes Sedai. It's almost like he's already started thinking about what he's going to do later. Yeah. That he's already yeah. thinking, you're not going to the eye of the world. And yeah. what I yeah. need to do is tell you that even though you're not, I don't want you to get discouraged. I want you to go back to the White Tower and become an Aes Sedai. Like, you always wanted to do what you're going to be great at. You should totally do that. Yeah. Which I do think it's a little odd that he says, like, you've always wanted to be. And it's like, well, she didn't even really... They've actually done a couple of those, like, linguistic slippages in this episode specifically, like, that are weird based on the timeline in which our characters have known each other and known some things about each other. Nynaeve had one, has one coming up. I just thought he was saying you've always wanted to tap into the one power. And it was was through through the wisdom path and the two two rivers. I think there's that. And I think it's you always wanted to be somebody important and powerful. And And that's what he means. I just think he didn't say that. Right. Yeah. 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 And and then, you know, Rand says, basically, um, if you become an Aes Sedai, I want to be your warder. Basically, you really think I'd let somebody else be your warder? Um, (laughs) Do we think that's going to happen? Anyone? No. Uh Uh-uh. Uh, no, he's the, he's, yeah, anyway. She says, um, if it's you, which she doesn't believe, I will stand by you no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter what comes. When she says this, the actor who plays Rand, so good on a rewatch. This is an eminently rewatchable episode where mm-hmm. you know the information, the reveal, mm-hmm. because he looks all, like, it looks like that. It really hits him emotionally. Feels like a throwaway line from a queen. Mm-hmm. But for him, he needed to hear that because, you know, obviously he knows what he is. Um... Cut to Nynaeve. She's all dressed. Lan wakes up. You're leaving? Why did he call you Daishan, she asks. Lan breathes. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, well, anyway. Um, kind of a king. But it doesn't really matter because the blight took over the, the kingdom, basically. <laughs> so the kingdom is called Malkir. Mm-hmm. And Lan was apparently going to be the king of Malkir. And the blight took over. And uh, his family was slaughtered. They, they, the family that he just saw earlier that night and ate ramen with, uh, they smuggled me out of the palace, uh, Nynaeve, and brought you here, and Lan nods. She sits down with him. You know, I never quite understood why you bonded yourself to Moraine. Moraine, Lan, and now you do. And she says, yeah, basically, I understand now. You're a king without a kingdom, a boy without a family, and now you belong to her. I gotta tell you, Nynaeve would be a pretty good therapist. Like, she, Lan just said this shit to Moraine. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly, Moraine was like, why, why, you know, basically, like, why do you want to be working with me? And he's like, because you gave me a purpose. And she sits down and sees right through it and says, I know why you're with her now. So, because you needed a purpose after what happened to you. I mean, she's the healer for the town, so probably does more than just, uh, you know, giving herbs and setting bones. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't yeah. want to, yeah. She's a pretty sharp cookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all like sort of like saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's that's kind of a big deal to nail yeah. that yeah. thing yeah. about 10 seconds so, yeah. after yeah. he said it. Right. Eh, good good on her. I think we learned something about uh, Nynaeve there is mm-hmm. that, you know, her interpersonal skills might be a little bit better than I would have suspected. Mm-hmm. Um, Land, she doesn't own me, Nynaeve. She doesn't. Land, <laughs> only in the way those kids own you. 
wisdom never weds land hey and he touches her face stay and she smiles so they're drawing the parallel there between her Mm -hmm. she's not like technically bonded with the kids but like her like life's work or like commitment at this point in her life is to keep those kids safe is the same way that lands like yeah my life's work is to to keep maria safe obviously so she can do her work to protect the world but you know we're both kind of our own people so give them back to bed would you (laughs) Um, i was gonna say like he's calling her out it's like why did you even follow us like you know what what are you even doing here if you know you don't you're not owned by these these kids yeah um i think he's he's he also has a much better read on her than i would have expected Mm -hmm. they've clearly spent a lot of time looking at each other Mm -hmm. a lot of time thinking about each other gears turning yeah cut to rand laying next to a green he starts to have memories specifically from the night the trollocs attack this is back in episode one he remembers Tam. Tam is his dad, Lord Bolton, from, mm-hmm. from Game of Thrones, if you remember. Um, and his dad is saying, Carrie, it was so hot. I didn't mean to find her. He's like, the trolloc poison's taken over. He's not, like, he's kind of in and out of it, right? Yeah. Yep. I didn't mean to find her there, but I had to get away up the mountain into the snow. He was crying. He was so tiny. Rand's like, what the f- are you talking about? And then we have a montage of Rand practicing his archery. Cut back to Rand breaking the door that the girl, who was a dark friend, what was her name? Dana. Dana said, "Gonna take three men." We 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 noted this in that episode. And shout out mm-hmm. us. We were like, "Wait mm-hmm. a second! That that he was not supposed to be able to break that, and mm-hmm. he did." I just I just you just thought he that was real strong. I chalked it up to country strength. Right? <laughs> I, I thought he was been out there plowing the farm. And stuff. He's been chopping wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no. It, what we what the reveal here is that he actually channeled, used the one power to break it open. Um, we also see a montage of when he put his arm around a queen. And um, he used the one power to protect her. It was him that was actually used mm-hmm. the one power to expel the trollic. It was not her. Sorry, Egwene. That's going to really disappoint her. <laughs> Cut to him and Matt. And Rand tells Matt that he's seen the White Tower before. Mm-hmm. Some, seen some the mountain. Yes. Sun, dragon, dragon Mount. Well, he's seen something. What, 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 the, the mountain? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the mountain that behind Arcalon. That was the mountain from the... Right, and yeah. it, it, I'm assuming he saw it in his dreams or something? Do we know? I mean, he was... We know, but we can't tell you. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, well, maybe we'll talk about it in part two, but I don't think it's actually a spoiler. Okay. Back point. to the Black Wind talking to Rand, and here it is. Here's the reveal, ladies and gentlemen. The Black Wind tells him it's you. You've always known it. It's you. Deep down, no matter how fast or how far you run, you can. You, you, you have to accept your fate. You are the dragon reborn. You are the dragon reborn. Cut to Rand going to the bar to the seer. This is exactly where I would go as I was <laughs> He said, did you know I was coming? Yes, yeah, sort of comes with the territory. She <laughs> says. It's pretty funny. I want you to tell me that I'm not the dragon reborn. Okay, you're not the dragon reborn. <laughs> I really uh, like this lady. Great line from men right yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, he's like, you don't have to spare my feelings. She says, well, I don't care about your feelings. You're just another guy in another bar. He is, in fact, not just another guy. <laughs> and she line. knows it, yeah. too, which is really yeah. funny. Rand says, we got off on the wrong foot. She says, look me in the eye and tell me you want to hear what I have to say, because once you do, there's no going back. So there's a great line in between that, which is, uh, we got off on the wrong foot. Let me introduce myself. And she's like, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she, she's funny. She's, yeah. she's good. I like that character. She tells a story about the time she had her first visit. Uh, or our first vision um, when she was in Tarvalon. So this is interesting that she apparently grew up in Tarvalon, and I guess maybe the Aes Sedai figured out that she was a seer and maybe moved her, potentially. Because earlier in the conversation, Moraine said something along the lines that the Aes Sedai had figured out a way to protect her or hide her yeah. identity in some and way. Otherwise, she was young. it would mm-hmm. suck. Yep. Which is a great point. 
Cut back to the guy from the very first scene mm-hmm. of the episode. Mm-hmm. The guy um, who was with the redhead. He was with the uh, Aiel. Yep. Um, and Giving birth. And, and it's Tam. He takes, takes off his, his helmet. Takes his helmet off. It's, it's Rand's, quote, dad. Mm-hmm. And he holds the lady's hand as she gives birth as opposed to killing her. May not have been his daddy, but he was his father. Overlaid with this, we hear her say that um, she was a baby born and he was a baby born. She saw a baby born in the snow. And we see that Rand's mom dies. The, the Aiel who was mm-hmm. fighting mm-hmm. as Rand's mother. And a man raised him in a wooden house in a sleepy village surrounded by two rivers. And that baby, and that baby was something impossible. She laughs softly. We see, t- see Tam cut the umbilical cord and walk off with Rand. Rand looks up, seemingly overcome with emotion. What do you see now when you look at me? Rainbows, carnivals, and three beautiful women. <laughs> Rand laughs. Do you see the eye of the world? Wish I didn't. Why? You seem like a decent person. Rand asks if he makes it back. She just looks down, grabs her drink, and walks away. And Rand says, I didn't think so. So it's an interesting scene because like, we're, we're getting the, the sort of... More and more through the episode, we're getting the sense that like the, the Black Wind, what it says, you might not want to hear it, but there's a lot of truth in it, potentially. Mm-hmm. And when we... The, if they had started the Black Wind disclosures with Rand hearing, you're the dragon, we probably would have dismissed it. But they end with it. But after mm-hmm. we've had some validation, some of the other things that were said, specifically maybe around Perrin and his, his shakiness with his own wife and liking Egwene, was actually true. Um, we get that validation that maybe it was right. And so at this point, when he goes into the to the bar with the lady, in my opinion, we already kind of know he's the dragon reborn, right? So the fact yeah. that the way they yeah. talk about this, which isn't particularly helpful if you're fact finding because they're really dancing around <laughs> everything, mm-hmm. is just him kind of calming his nerves or getting some additional validation to something yeah. that we as the viewer I think already know right yeah yeah and I think that he himself like he knew it like the black wind told him you've always known but having that external somebody else outside in the world saying yep yeah this is true that's what he that's the last push that he needed to go to Moraine and be like let's yeah. do this yeah. and it also recolors his conversation with Matt at in Tarvalon. Yeah, yeah, about the channeling. Mm-hmm. Or uh, the, the um, gentling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how, you know, Matt, Matt was like so against this idea. Like, don't let him do this to me. And there was that line, which I even laughed about, the throwaway. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I won't let him do it to you either. And we're like, well, who gives a fuck about that? Like, that won't ever, ever come to fruition. <laughs> right. Actually kind of an important line. Yeah. And also, I think <laughs> it it, it uh, makes a, makes me think that Rand was feels bad about being hopeful that Matt might have been the dragon. And, like, this darkness in him was some of the corruption and him channeling. And it's like, well, maybe I'm not the one. Maybe, you know, the things that have been happening... Like, I'm just another dude that channels, maybe. And so, like, I'm kind of yeah. there with you, Matt. But, like... But but you're the one that, that, like, really has to shoulder this burden. I have a question for you. Thank God it's not me. Did Tom Marilyn know? Or was he just as confused as, as the viewer was? When he was talking to Rand, did he know that Rand was channeling? Or was he really yeah, thinking... Think he really thinking it was me? I don't think that Rand had channeled at that point for Tom to know, but like right. the sickness of uh, Mashadar was at least reminiscent of what happened to Tom's nephew. And so he was like putting what he knows together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think that Tom thought it was Rand. Okay. But I do think the other nice thing about the scene where Min is like, you know, I wish I didn't see the eye of the world. You seem like a decent person. Um, and, you know, do you come back and, and or do I come back and, and Rand's like, yeah, I didn't think I made it back. 
but then he goes of his own volition, finds Moraine, mm-hmm. and leaves all his friends. Like, I think that really speaks to Rand is facing up to some hard truths, and he's willing to shoulder that burden. Yeah. I agree. Cut to the next morning. Aguina's waking up, um, walking around. She knocks on uh, Nynaeve's door, goes in, and sees Nynaeve's bed is still made. Anybody ever catch a roommate like that? <laughs> Anybody ever catch one? I used to catch my roommate all the time doing that. You're like, uh huh, where have you been? I'd wake up in the morning, he'd be on the couch, and I'd look at his, his bedroom, and it would be completely like, uh, like, <laughs> hey, yeah. I think I caught you. Um, Aguina laughs. Um, she turns around, sits on the bed. Then Nynaeve walks in. And where have you been? Nowhere. They kind of laugh, call bullshit on each other. Um, but talk about this perfectly. They made bed. She said, I couldn't sleep. And they both smile. Nynaeve apologizes. She said, look, I spoke out of turn earlier. I didn't mean to stir anything up. Egwene does not respond to this. She just doesn't even let, doesn't even say anything. Perrin walks in. Perrin walks weird. Anybody notice Perrin walks weird? <laughs> you have commented on shambling. this already. Shoulders, shoulders. Runs really, weird, really, walks weird. Really getting weirder. Hunched um, <laughs> down shoulders. I, I, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm wondering, maybe I'm just thinking too much into Perrin. Is his weird physical acting a part of what the yellow eyes thing is? Like, is it connected is my question. I know you can't tell me, but I'm just throwing it out. Like, I'm trying to like breadcrumb this thing. Could also be he's the only one that didn't have an enjoyable uh, evening the last evening. Yeah, and maybe he did like like he was what was he a blacksmith or something? So yeah. he's like doing super hard labor. Maybe maybe yeah. that's why he's acting it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it makes me think maybe he's acting it um, because there's something you know like different about him. Yeah. Um, because he does seem when when the four of them are together, he looks very different in his mannerisms yeah. and yeah. stuff. So I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, Perrin. Um, basically, Nynaeve asked them, "Have you decided?" And Egwene says, "I want to go." Shocker. Perrin shakes his head. He only mm-hmm. notice he only agrees after Egwene agrees. Mm-hmm. That yeah. he, he doesn't agree until she says yes. And she asks where Rand is, and he says, "I assumed he was with you." Mm-hmm. Cut to Rand slowly walking up to a door. Very epic music playing. We know we're building up to the end, the crescendo of the episode. He knocks on a door. We see Nynaeve open a door, but it's Lan, mm-hmm. and she sees Lan in the morning. She knows something's wrong. She says, "What's happened?" Cut back to Rand. The door is open by oh, Moraine. There it is. Rand, it's me. And yep. he looks really... I mean, he's saying it. He, he's saying it definitively. Mm-hmm. But this is obviously, like, really heavy on him. Yes. And, and, and yes. it's everything from how they've put him together physically, in, in his dress, in his hair, um, and in how he's acting. It he looks, looks like exhausted. completely yeah. exhausted. Mm-hmm. There and, you go. And so, like, this is clearly a burden. And I, I think that when he was talking to men, like, one of the things that... I interpret this conversation as it's like you wouldn't wish the dragon being the dragon reborn on somebody who's a decent person maybe. right like you you know somebody who can get it done I guess but like this is going to be something tough like sort and in yeah. many ways like mm-hmm. the hopes of the world in many ways are on you but also like everybody's terrified of you you know and if you turn to the shadow like, you're just going to destroy the world. And so, it's a crazy thing. I have a question about, um, now that she knows it's him, and she presumably knows he can or has cha- channeled, is she somehow breaking faith with the Aes Sedai that she's working with a man who channels it, openly? We kind of got yeah, that in the episode of Swan. That, like, with, they could both be stilled for this. Right. So, I thought that was that was going after the dragon. Yeah, so, I, I guess my question more specifically is about, like, so now that she knows it's him mm-hmm. and she knows he can channel, this is the moment where it really breaks faith because she's like actively working with him. We've never seen her actively work with a man who can channel before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, you know, even 
even if her scissors were to leave the Dragon Reborn so that he can channel, so not gentle him, they would want him to be very closely watched and restrained, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, not allowed to do things of his own will. And so Rand is still, at this point, like, still walking around free, which I don't think any of the other Aes Sedai would be okay with. Except for Swan, maybe. Um, Right, right, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, So, Moraine looks back at him and slowly nods, cuts a land. Moraine masked our bond. She left. Egwene, Rand! So, I had a question then... So did Lan not mask his bond? Or maybe he didn't. He that's why he didn't work. realize. Yeah, yeah. maybe. So, so y'all, y'all need to finish the sentences. Yeah. <laughs> finish the sentences. So, so it, because basically my question was, does Lan then not mask his bond to Moraine while he and Nynaeve are sleeping together? Okay. And then you, you responded with? Maybe he did, and that's why he didn't. Notice like, that she noticed that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so the, the the order of events here is that, like, maybe, just out of, like, privacy. Courtesy, yeah, courtesy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, To Nynaeve, he masked the bond right. when he mm-hmm. hooked up with Nynaeve, and that while that was occurring, Moraine took that moment to mask the bond with Lan so that he wouldn't know the exact moment it happened. Exactly. And because we do get before that that is presumably a polite thing to do when she goes to see Swan. Yes. Right. Um... Cut to Rand and Moraine walking out to the Blight. They go together, the two of them only. Moraine explains they have to go through the Blight to get to the Eye of the World. Moraine does not look very good. Progressively worse yeah. the mm-hmm. entire episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but they walk in. Uh, kind of reminds me as a kid, like uh, I grew up in the country. Like Sometimes you'd, walk, you'd, like, you'd be like, there's a cornfield. And you'd be like, I know the house is on the other side of that. So I'm going to go through this cornfield. I don't know how fucking long I'm going to be in this cornfield. It's going to be a long time. <laughs> but I know if I keep walking straight, I'll eventually get there. It yeah. kind of seems like what they're yeah, doing. That yeah, that feels right. Yeah. Um, end of episode. Boom. End of recap. Done. Good work Good on job. the recap. Yeah. yeah. Dense episode. Yep. A lot of stuff going on. Before we go into our segments. exposition. Yeah. Lots mm-hmm. of talking. Before we go into our segments, I want to ask, BJ, you made the comment this might be your favorite episode. Yeah. I want you to... Talk about that a little bit, and then all of us to talk about where this episode ranks as far as some of the other ones. Okay. Because I do think it's a standout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just, we get a lot of things in this episode, and I think this is, a lot of things are coming together. I really like that they're drawing a lot of threads from the season so far to have, like, a very focused finale. Um, I really liked... Um, the exposition that you get of a lot of characters. I like the emotional breath that you get from a, a, a lot of the characters, like Ren and Nynaeve and Lan. Um, and I, there are so many things about the reveal of Ran that I really, really enjoyed. Um, some of them we'll probably talk a little bit more on the second part, but just how they like interpose that with like him making the decision to go to Moraine's room and being take that upon himself like it's me let's go do this and take care of this i think was just a solidifying uh point in the series so far for me um and it just gave that same feel of like how the books are in terms of like having threads converge and get like really tied into like a very tight story at certain points and it happens when it needs to happen and this felt like the right pacing for me for for where they need to be and i other than like some of the minor things that i think are really 
driven by losing Matt, like also the pacing for this episode and like the the scenes that we get all felt a lot more right to me. I just want to like now that we have finally gotten the reveal about Rand being the being the dragon, we can finally tell Lee how much anxiety was going on yeah. in the second half yeah. of the in the second yeah. part of the podcast. Literally every time we talked about it about like I don't know how they're going to pull off that we that it is believable when we get to Rand as the dragon. I don't know how they're going to pull off that yeah. it's believable based on what we have at this point. Yeah, because I stand yeah. by the fact that they didn't give us much. Right. Like, yeah. They really didn't. And, and mm-hmm. I guess it was all to serve the purpose of the swerve, the surprise. That's great. It's fun viewing. But like, man, there wasn't a lot there in the first few episodes yeah. for mm-hmm. Rand. And yeah, and, and as you were saying, I feel like they took this episode, fleshed around out a bit, and then... Gave you a bunch of breadcrumbs mm-hmm. and then had a cool review. Yeah, and I think the nice thing is, you know, because we were legitimately like in the second part of every episode, it's like, oh, they got to do some work on Rand. Like he's mm-hmm. just kind of a wool headed sheep herder, and that's all we get. And it turns out they didn't even have to do all that much to make Rand more fleshed out as a character and yeah. more enjoyable. Well, what they did really, really well, and this could have come off as so hokey, and I think they pulled it off, I'll be, I'd be interested to hear what you all think, is that they figured out a way to concisely, efficiently, but effectively indicate how much Rand has been thinking about this this and worrying about this and dealing with this throughout the entire time when we thought he was just essentially sort of wallpaper at at this point, right? It totally, Mm -hmm. like, it gives this sort of backwards fleshing Mm -hmm. out of his character where every time you go, oh, he wasn't just being stupid. Like, Mm -hmm. he was legitimately worrying about, oh my god, am I the dragon? Is this this what's happening? Yeah. But they had to give him an origin story, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, it's important that your hero have that origin story to separate them from the pack. Yes, right. And that does it. When we get that, that, the origin story, that's when I started thinking, like, wow, okay, like, they really have established how different he is from Jump Mm -hmm. than the rest of these people. And and I think it's so cool that we get so many pieces in this episode that then just get tied together so well that... You know, we, we get his birth in, in the, the cold open, which up until now was just kind of like fleshing out the world a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then we get it really tied tight when Min's like, this was my first viewing. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, the, that you were the Dragon Reborn basically from when I was young. Mm-hmm. And this maybe this is what sparked her like ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and yeah, it was continuing just... to show his importance. Yeah, that, he, mm-hmm. that she would even that, that that would be the first thing that she has yeah. a vision of. Um, that his his important in the week this current week. Yeah. Okay. So, h- how do you like the reveal? Um, you had him at negative a thousand. Had yeah. him at negative a thousand, and but yeah, plus plus one fifty. Yeah, that's what it was a lot. Yeah, right. You you bet you bet a dollar went a thousand on him because he was such an underdog. I um. I like the reveal a lot. I, I my only complaint is that I wish I, I like shows that have these type of reveals. It's fun, right? And I, but and but I do like when they give you a little something. My only complaint would be what you guys exactly probably were talking about in the second part of these episodes, which was they weren't giving you quite enough with Rand. I'm not saying to make it obvious, but a little something, and they really didn't until this episode. Mm-hmm. Now this episode was great for the reveal. The reveal worked perfectly. By the time we got to the end of the episode, I bought it. I was all in. Right. Rand's my guy now. Let's run. Let's go with Rand. <laughs> but, you know, it's it, it took heavy lifting for the episode to get there. It took a special episode to get you there, right. and they had one mm-hmm. teed up for it. It was great storytelling. This episode in a silo would have been great if they gave me a couple things before now. 
Um, but overall, like I, you know, I've got I got one friend who really doesn't like the show, um, and he texts me every week that he doesn't like it. And I finally this week just said I broke I, I broke faith with him, and I said, dude, I don't care what you say. This was a good episode, and he sheepishly had to say, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, it was good. Fine. So even somebody who doesn't like the show had to admit this was a well done episode. Yeah. I think it's a standout for the show. Mm-hmm. I think you have for me. I think you've got the pilot, which was really really good. I think you've got um, the episode where they were dealing with Loghain mm-hmm. as far as the show showing that it could pull off action yeah. and could show you the one power. That was a flex. And then this episode are the standouts for me of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say actually, like I, I really did like this season or this uh, episode. I still think that episode four might edge it out because Loghain's story was pretty powerful and yeah. Nynaeve's reveal and all of that came together and it was it was a surprise because it was sort of the best episode of the group to that point. And so mm-hmm. important to create right. detention yes. for Rand because now we know the stakes for Rand because we yes. see what they did to Loghain. Yes. So now I'm terrified going forward yep. about what will happen to Rand. You know Who, what who's everyone's going to do to mm-hmm. him yeah. if yeah. they catch him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If any of the Aes Sedai figure mm-hmm. this out like they and they're probably more powerful than him right now. I haven't I mean he's channeled a little bit, but I've not seen him really flex hard. Like they might be able to just like, you know, gentle him very fast. Yeah. So I'm I'm scared for him going forward because of the storytelling in episode four. Right, yeah. So some of the thinking is that uh the cold open for episode four with Logan was supposed to be the open for the series. And that the mm. open that we got was put she in warned. instead for reasons that no one's really sure about executive but that, that that's the yeah that's sort of the the going scuttle but logan L- logan's story would have been episode one is that what you're saying like yeah. that, that like cold that, open that, was, yeah, exactly. was for episode one and then they would when he was with the, the king later. on yeah. the top of the tower yeah. i'm the glad war. they didn't do that yeah. that would have been confusing as hell because they would have it had gone three more episodes before they yeah. ever came back to it right and you'd been like well what about that dude yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i see i see how it would have been like powerfully narrative there, yeah from narrative perspective mm-hmm. just to, to like but no that would have confused me but i mean just yeah me, just me yeah my opinion's not always right, dog. <laughs> Let's go to the assignments. All right. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, first up, we have Tavern of the Week. Uh, now that we're done with the recap, how do you want to do it? Yeah, so this is, this is my um, decision-making that I get to do, um, but I am going to take nominations for Tavern of the Week. Of course, I have my front runner far and away. Um, but Lee, I'm curious. Who do you think is Tavern of the Week? So I'm going to... Show how gracious I am to, to my <laughs> panel here. Um, I'm not going to pick the the guy who's going to win this thing <laughs> because I'm going to leave it up to y'all to give, give, give somebody else that strong nomination. I'm going to pick this episode, Lan, because mm. we get um, a great backshot. Get a, get some backstory from him. We figure <laughs> out yeah, we figure out the man has abs for days. <laughs> wow, so many abs. Um, yeah, so it's just that like seeing him with a family, learning his backstory that he was a king, um, getting that reinforced what what has bonded him or why he wanted to bond with Moraine and what purpose that's given him considering the backstory of his life and having that reaffirmed through the connection he has with Nynaeve for her inferring that as well. And then seeing him get down with the get down and figuring out that he can actually have a life 
outside of Marine. He can go have sex with somebody if he wants to. That was a, that was an open question for me. I didn't mm-hmm. know as a viewer that like these these warders could just go off and have a relationship with someone else. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that established that. And then I think that also there's probably a whole lot of naive land shippers out there. So checkbox for them. Mm-hmm. Um, probably good for Nynaeve because she's clearly had a thing for Land the whole time. So Land really rounding the bases a lot of very interesting things um, that connected to the episode. So Land's my nominee. Cool. All right, cool. Sarah, what do you got? I'm going to follow Lee's lead and also be gracious in this. <laughs> but I want to go, we've talked a little bit about him. I'm going to go super minor, barely on the screen character. But I want to make sure that we really highlight the weirdness of what is going on with Pod and Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, super like, creepy. Super creepy. And it is clearly, just from a show-based perspective, it is bizarre and interesting that he is anywhere near where they are, right? That he was in the ways in the first place, that he is now in Faldara. Um, that we've ever seen him again. That we've ever seen like him three again. Or four episodes. Yes. Um, like, that is deeply strange. And while I believe we know who's going to win Tavern of the Week... Um, and who rightly should. Should, yeah, he should. What is what is interesting to me is that this Poddenfane thread is not woven in yet. We don't it's have an end to that story. Along. We are sort mm-hmm. of well, yes, we're gonna have like a big thing with Rand at the Eye of the World next episode, Ooh. obviously. Um Can't wait. gonna be a showdown. Yes, we are starting to end that narrative, right? We can feel Yeah closure there we uh, right. don't know what that is but it's headed toward closure there is no closure on what is happening to pod and fane and i think that's super interesting yeah yep. i'm gonna be addressed on theory time <laughs> yeah right uh, i'm excited to hear i'm gonna go even even farther afield and say lord agomar interesting that is a mood that is okay a <laughs> mean that out of jackass who was talking to moraine exactly <laughs> i don't like that guy uh, <laughs> but... bottom of lee's top run of the week list <laughs> okay but he fleshes out the world in ways that no one else has. So we, we've gotten uh, in each of the other picks and basically across the entire, and across a lot of these, like changes within our characters, knowing more of the backstory of the characters. But we get a lot of tidbits from Lord Agomar that are really interesting in terms of like how the world interacts, um, in terms of like what the role of a leader of a nation is. Um, how they interact with the Aes Sedai, like what relationship the Aes Sedai have with different rulers. And we also get that not everybody gets to be an Aes Sedai again, rather than from a maybe more... uh, uh, Tower-based person? Well, I was going to say an unreliable narrator of uh, Nynaeve's wisdom mentor. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. and, you know, we get a quick flash of uh, Lady Amelisa's ring that doesn't have a stone in it. And so, like, between the two of them, but more Lord Algomar, we get a lot more of... There's a big world out there that we don't know about yet. And it, it fills in a lot of that. It also fills in Land's place in the world before mm-hmm. we get the interaction uh, with his father's armsmen. Um, and so I think with him we get a view into the world that we really haven't gotten yet. Yeah, nice. that's a really good you've, point. You've, you've turned me a little bit. I don't like the guy, but I, I understand the pick. Yeah. Well, and I think it's actually interesting that you don't like the guy because I think that's part of what 
he's doing as a world building character yeah. is mm-hmm. all of a sudden you see that not everybody just plays you know like yes ma'am no ma'am to the I said I but there's right. a lot yeah. of mixed feelings yeah. sure I will also sure. just say shout out one of the best costumes we've seen the with the recreation like, of the feathers. the spread winged bird with the feathers on yeah. that very cool there were a very cool. lot of birds in this episode, so, yeah. like, you know, yeah. um, imagery, mm-hmm. you know, all mm-hmm. the manners, mm-hmm. the everywhere there was little, um, you know, metal statues of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very cool. I prefer my king to look like Logan. Yeah. Maybe it's <laughs> very like Jesus y. Yeah, maybe it's the old Christian, maybe it's the old Christian <laughs> thing, but I don't, I don't like the king who's like so, the super pomp. Like, he, I don't like that. He's not a king. He's just a lord. Whatever the hell. Yeah. He's yeah, a yeah. leader. Lan is a king yes. without a kingdom. Yeah. Anyway, um, and and also I, I just want to give a shout out to uh, my man Uno. Uh, no, oh, just because we got him, so and excited. He's great. and he's, he's cursing, great. and it's awesome. I mean, it was only half of his words were cursing, That's so true. I expected a little higher. Yes, well, he was in um, front of like company. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he was in company. Um, but obviously, I mean, all of these are great nominations, but we really do have to go with the one who really pulled it off, and has twisted the pattern around himself, which is Rand, um, for obvious reasons. I mean, I don't think we need to expound on that very much. I do think that, you know, obviously we have the cold open, which sets up his background story, as you said, Lee, very well. Um, But I really like the way that they did the reveal with him finding kind of the centering and then letting loose with his arrows right into the center of the target. That was a very mm-hmm. nicely done shot where mm-hmm. he's finally decided, okay, this is my destin- destiny. I'm thinking about all the things that have led me here. I'm going to do this. Really this is me. Filled in the void of his character. Yes. Um, it sure did. <laughs> and so it's just like, I, I like that. And I like that, you know, he has a lot more, I mean, a lot more to his character this episode as mm-hmm. well. Got to be him, mm-hmm. for sure. So it's got to be him. Yeah, he's got to win. Absolutely. <clears throat> all right. Moving on. Lines of the episode. Gleeman's Corner. Um, I, I'm going to do mine first, um, and I'm actually not going to go through them since we already did, and it's really long. But for me, what was really cool for this episode was what Machin Shin was saying to each of the characters. Mm. Um, and I'm going to highlight some of the shorter ones, the you're nothing, an imposter, a fraud to Wayne. You know, this is... Th- because it's of a departure from the books in terms of like what it was saying, I think this was a really interesting way to go and really highlighting the insecurities of these characters, uh, saying to uh, Moraine, uh, you were wrong about everything. You'll murder these children and call it heroism. Just like... There's it, such good snapshots of what you think all of these people's insecurities are. And one of the things that is super important to the books and everybody was sort of worried about how they were going to do in the show is you spend a lot of time in people's heads and this was one way to get a snapshot of what's in every every mm-hmm. character's head in a way that it didn't need to be them like doing exposition to another character in a very yeah. forced way i am very disappointed dark friend though about loyal didn't get any like what is loyal insecure about Oh man, this is a real like Nothing. the the mirror. They are going the mirror... to make you run. They are going to make you go fast all the time. <laughs> this is a real. Um, You'll like, never be able to keep up with the humans. Like a uh, mirror of uh, mirror oh, of Arizad uh-huh. sort of thing, uh, where <laughs> Dumbledore always sees himself with socks. <laughs> 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 they, they, 
they burn all your books all the <laughs> time. Sarah, yeah. what's yours? They burn down yep. the groves. So I'm actually going to follow up on yours, BJ. I'm going to okay. go to the Black Wind as well, but okay. I'm specifically going to go to our flashback from Rand to the Black Wind. Yep. I'm taking the low-hanging fruit this time. Yep. It's you... It's always been you. Deep down, no matter how fast or how, how far you run, you cannot accept. You cannot not. You can't not accept your fate. Um, you are the dragon reborn. You are the dragon reborn. And part of the reason, like a, that's kind of a seemingly a turning point mm-hmm. for Rand as well. But right. um, I want to go just tack this on to a conversation that we were having earlier about how well this episode does. Um, giving us insight into not only what all of the characters have been have been thinking, but specifically what Rand has been struggling with um, throughout this series. And I thought that this was a really good moment for it. Um, I don't, I think I think I'm Team Black Wind in this whole thing. <laughs> I think the Black Wind is telling some hard truths and 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 I think we need to be listening to it. I agree on the Black Wind. I think Black Wind's telling the truth. Uh, mine is like maybe a little bit more character building, interpersonal stuff. It's um, uh, Aguine. I don't think I've ever picked her before for my line of the episode, but it's wow. um, her talking to the group and then specifically to Nynaeve. I'm not doing this because I'm convinced she knows exactly what she's talking about. I want to go to the Eye of the World because if there's even a chance she's right, then it's worth it. Your wisdom, if Moraine wasn't a part of this, you wouldn't think twice. You do it. Don't let your pride stop you from doing what is right. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to go with Nynaeve and Lan's back and forth, um, where Nynaeve very astutely picks out why Lan has picked Moraine to bond, and Nynaeve says, you are a king without a kingdom, a boy without a family, and now you finally belong to her. And it's just, it's a very, like, mm-hmm. very perceptive mm-hmm. moment for Nynaeve. Go show. All right, well, I get to choose, and... Uh... I'm going to choose one that was nominated and sort of the pairing that we get uh, with the very end of the episode, which is uh, Machin Shin telling Ram that, that he is the dragon reborn and he cannot yeah. run from his fate. And then yeah. when he goes, knocks on Moraine's door and says, I'm the one, yeah. I'm the dragon reborn. It's me. And it's me. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm. it, it's just like, it's the thing that he feared most and sort of from the beginning though we didn't see it at the beginning to the end of the episode he's come to accept it and and take on that burden Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep i agree good choice very good do we have theories theory time uh so i guess you know the 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 dragon power rankings we know who the dragon reborn is finally Um, yes we know the dragon reborn is ran xnay on the dragon power rankings those are done yep um I'm a little bit sad, but we have theories, and I'm really excited to hear uh, further theories, especially about what I'm saying, it sounds theory like. Theory time. Sure, theory time. Um, I was just like to point out that my last theory time, I think, was I said that Moraine would sever the bond with Lan. Mm-hmm. She didn't necessarily sever it, but she did the very next episode, Blanket, and then Peace Out, so shout out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say this episode, I'm really stretching here, but this Pod and Fane character, um, he, I think he's absolutely colluding with the Dark One. That's my that's my guess. If he's not, okay. if he's not the dark one himself, if he's not the the head dark gotcha. person, he's he's with them because what's the alternative, right? In this world, how how can he get in it? I mean, like he has to be able to channel or have power in some way to even get into the ways on his own, right? And get out of it. So there has to he's got to be aligned with what if I'm just using the just using the the rules of the world has been established in the show. 
we only know of really two groups that have like power to do this type of thing. You've got the people who tap into the one power, the Aes Sedai, the men who channel, and then you presumably have the Dark One who is a power that, you know... Does uh, something. Does something, fights the world, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to go that... It's, it's hard for me to believe that Rand is the Dragon Reborn and this group is so important and the Dark One is so locked in and so dangerous and doesn't have a line on them in some way. That it, that it would just be like some person swilling beer in some mm-hmm. random town is the only dark friend that is anywhere close to these people. That's hard for me to believe. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to peg his pot and fan. Okay. All right. Oh, oh, and another one. Um, and another one. Uh, yeah. Um, at some point, we're going to get, we're gonna get the, the switcheroo. Aguin is going to go over to Perrin for a little while. Okay. All right. Maybe then. not permanently, but there will yeah. be like a kiss, or there'll be a something. It's low hanging fruit. They gotta do it. She's gotta. She's gotta give him. She's gotta give him the kiss. Okay. I'm excited to see. What and another one. No, maybe while Rand is busy saving the world. Yeah. 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 Maybe yeah he's out of the way for a, a little while at least. He's on a work trip. <laughs> and maybe it's time for the, the housewife to play. I don't know. That's, oh boy. Eye of the world, oh, and uh, he's got his eye on Edwin. This has been fun. It's been yeah. Long. Y'all don't have any theories. No theories from anybody else. Just me. You're the theory building one. Yeah, we yeah. don't want to accidentally insert any uh, book book truths into this. Okay, well that sounds good. This is a lot of fun. Penultimate episode. Typically in these fantasy series, the penultimate episode is the one that really moves and shakes a lot. I think this one delivered. I would say yeah. giving us the Dragon Reborn, setting mm-hmm. up for the battle next week. Super excited about it. Thanks everybody for listening to uh, my part of the episode. Anyway, I'll see you next week. Well, Lee, may you always find water and shade. spoilers uh keep listening because we have lots of them um, here there be dragons and spoilers um <laughs> and so we have uh our last three segments uh that is uh the reading the pattern so where things fit so far into the bigger book picture which i'm glad we get to talk about a lot more now that things are tying together yes. from the warp how things are diverging from the book and how we feel about that we have a lot of those too um, and some disappointing dark friends. I think a little bit less for this episode, but I'm sure we have some. Um, but uh, let's jump right into it. Um, we have so many book nods and so many things that they're actually really tying in directly from the books, which I really appreciate. Um, I'm going to start out with a really quick one. I'm pretty sure they, they lifted what Loyal said while they're in the ways directly from the book, and they I did. enjoyed that. Yeah, it seemed... it. it felt really, really familiar. Yeah. Um, and I was going to ask about, because we talked a lot in the second part of the episode, in the last episode, we talked mm-hmm. a lot as as we went into the ways, uh, Brie, you and BJ were concerned mm-hmm. about down on um, yeah. how the ways were going to actually yeah. be. Thoughts, reactions, now that we were in the ways. So I would say I'm actually pleasantly surprised. So they were just as dark and foreboding. Mm-hmm. Um, as mm-hmm. implied in the books, but with 
you know, the nice thing about what the lightning and thunder, which is not canonical to the books, but what that does for us is it shows, like, with the flashes of light, we actually get, like, a much bigger impression of what the ways actually are. Mm -hmm. And so instead of, you know, reading about what the ways used to be, you can actually visually show that, you know, this is a huge, huge other world. Um, but so I'm, I'm actually pretty happy with them. Mm-hmm. What um, about you, BJ? I'm pretty happy with them. I'm still kind of disappointed with how they're shown. I, like, I think that there are okay reasons that they're not showing them how they are described in the books. Are you unhappy about the ways themselves or about the way, the way gates? gates. The way, well, the way gates and how they get in and out of the yes. ways. So okay. inside the ways themselves, I think they did a really good mm-hmm. job. Um, I think that they are hinting that they're going a little bit more book true in some ways with the still that they had that was in bonus content that mm-hmm. had Kadan Thane with a leaf. Mm-hmm. With, um, a with a tree foil. a tree foil mm-hmm. leaf yeah. that had the... Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, but that wasn't part of the main show. And when he's walking away from the way gates, you pointed he, this out. He has something He actually hand. is holding something in his hand yes. when he walks away from the yeah. way gates. It's just unclear yeah. what it is. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think that was cool. I liked how they brought men in, but that's a little bit later in the show. Um, I think that the whole interaction of Father was really true to the books, and I mm-hmm. like how they have the interaction with an Ace Sedai that then I said this in the first part of the episode, but basically I'll, there are almost no rulers that like the meddling of the, the Ace Sedai. Right. They're okay with it for a variety of reasons. There are help, there's helpfulness of an Ace Sedai advisor, I think to a certain extent. Uh, Lady Amelisa fills that role to a certain extent. Yeah. She has tower ties, but is looking out for you know the good of Feldara. Um, but you know, there's this inherent bunny of heads. You know, what's important for the nation as opposed to you know this sort of uh, not ma- maybe advising class mm-hmm. of you know this is they're trying to shape the realm as opposed to a, a country. And, you know, I like that they're sort of fleshing that out. I do think... Sorry, can I just ask a quick question about Amelisa? Um, So in the show, they have her with an Aes Sedai ring without the stone. Mm -hmm. Right. Is that... Does that happen in the books? Is that like a thing? So what's interesting is that, yes, you have have people who have passed their accepted test... Right. ...are out there in the world with an Aes Sedai ring... So that is true, that you can be not a full sister and have the ring. Okay. What is not true to books is the the stone in the middle. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't actually exist as far as I know in the books. Right, it doesn't. And so there's not any difference between an accepted ring and a full okay. sister's ring. I just thought it was so interesting. I mean, I think that for the purposes of the show, it, it at least to me, made a lot of sense. Like, it was actually a very cool symbol mm-hmm. um, yeah. that she was wearing this sort of empty ring. Right. Um, and I it, just didn't know. It, yeah, It'll so be it's nice just like a different later. finger mm-hmm. in the books. And, okay. and so, like, there are reasons that, that, like, that it plays into later, like, why that's sort of important. Um, and we'll see what they end yeah. up doing. So... so at uh, some point, Egwene and Elaine and Nynaeve, actually, they all pretend to be full sisters mm-hmm. um, when they're doing some of their stuff out of the t- tower. Sure. And so they have their accepted rings, which they then just, you know, put on A the eyes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this will be interesting because, you know, at some point they'll pass the accepted test and then they have to pass as full sisters. And so it's going to be more of a question of, is the show going to have it so that not everybody 
knows that you have to have a stone in the middle to be mm-hmm. an Aes Sedai, mm-hmm. um, or if they're going to do something different, or they're going to put another stone in there. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, unclear. Um, what I else? did think it was a nice... So I, I don't remember if she actually changed this. I meant to go back and look at the previous episodes, but Egwene, when she reaches up and cups Rand's face, she actually now is wearing one of her rings mm. on the same ring that we've seen all the Aes Sedai wear their ring. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, huh. the same figure. Uh-huh. And so I think this might have been a nod to the books where... Um, there's this whole like getting to braid your hair is becoming a woman mm-hmm. and then um Egwene wears her hair down more, like Moraine does and Nynaeve calls her out on it and so she's clearly trying to position herself to be an Aes Sedai and so I don't think we're getting enough of that to a certain extent yeah um but like I think this was sort of a little hint to it um, gotcha. in ways yeah. that you know they're just trying to thread things in mm-hmm. um I love that Terry picked up on Pod on Fane. Uh, you definitely haven't gotten there, but Pod on Fane is a fascinating character that gets more and more interesting as mm-hmm. time goes on, and he's there till the end. Yeah. You can, so, but he kind of goes I've down like a little. Yeah. He, yeah. He, 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 he has four ways into the world that yeah. are interesting. Yeah. Yes. Because, it, and I am certainly not at right. the. In, the midst of his interestingness, but by the beginning of the second book, which I did stop, as I've said before on this yeah. podcast, I did stop about 15, 20% of the way through the second book. I'm going to wait until this season is over at least. Yeah. Um, but even by that point of the second book, you know, you can feel that force. that's going to be a through yeah. line, a, um, a through yeah. line through the whole thing. It has to be. That's the only way that works narratively. And it'll yeah. be really interesting to see what they do with him because even in the second, by the second book, I think around where you are, he's doing bad things to Mirdral. Like, yeah, he, like he's pinning him down, and being torturing real him. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and so um, there are a lot of questions, and you know, we'll get a little bit more into this where you know this is diverged from the books about like what Pondon Fane's going to end up doing. Yeah. Um, I think the last thing I really wanted to talk about is Min and her visions mm-hmm. because they're super on point. I like that the the things that they're foreshadowing, um, the uh, sparks of light and darkness is a direct pull from the books. I think they did it incredibly well. Um, I know that why they didn't have Matt for this episode. I'm sort of hoping that we'll get that again mm-hmm. with him because mm-hmm. he's really important for that. Um, the, the other things that men saw that she's said she saw and jokingly said, mm-hmm. um, the, the white flame, um, as we said before in part of this, Egwene becomes the Emerald in seat and, mm-hmm. and it becomes like one of the most powerful Aes Sedai period, one of the and, most powerful yeah. Amerlins ever, like, you know, a whole bunch of things. And um, literally becomes the flame of Tom Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one of the titles of the yeah. Amerlins, yeah. Um, well, I was thinking more about the end of the series oh, where she literally like creates an entirely new weave that essentially heals the world mm. from the fractures that Balefire has mm-hmm. put into it. And she heals the world using this new weave called Flame of Tarvalon. And she mm. sacrifices herself into this weave. Interesting. So she okay. literally yeah. becomes mm-hmm. a, the flame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, but it's actually not mentioned when Min is talking to them or talking to Moraine about what she's seen. It actually isn't mentioned 
which one has the white flame and which one has the ring of gold. I thought that was yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So I noted that. that. I thought that, that was really yeah. interesting, yeah. Um, but almost definitely. So the ring of gold is almost... So in the books, Lan gives Nynaeve a big ring of gold. That <laughs> a is, honking big ring. Yeah, that, that is his promise that, like, to her. like okay. big, And that she wears around her neck. Mm-hmm. That, that becomes a big thing in the books that it's this flying crane mm-hmm. uh, golden ring. Yep. So that that's our guess as to what they're doing. We're hoping that that's a nod, and that seems yeah. to really fit well in the books. Um, a little bit later on, we get uh, rainbows, uh, carnivals, carnivals, and three and beautiful, three beautiful women. women. Which is, Min's like, mm, yeah, that's right on. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there are a lot of things about that, but like the three beautiful women around Rand is, is something that she sees from the books. Yeah. Um, the uh, rainbows. Rainbows is so. We get this a bit later, but basically whenever uh, Ren, Perrin, and Matt are together, they, they're sort of like these like weird rainbow things that happen around mm, them. Interesting. Uh, okay. Like pullings of the pattern, probably. Um, unclear what the, the circus is, but that's actually not with Ren, so... Well, it's, I, he, she says carnival, carnival but yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think Ren ever goes yeah, to the not circus. Not even Elaine, mm. uh, like, end up with a, a circus for a while, and that, oh, that okay. ends up being, like, a really big through line of, like, a bunch of books. Like, fun, very <laughs> so, funnily. Like, very, uh, like a very <laughs> weird but funny uh, plot line that we have. Um, and and then the last thing with Ren holding a baby, there are a lot of things that that could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe a departure on the books, maybe not. Like, Ren does have children in the books five of them um yeah from two pregnancies yes yeah um it's a, it's a little it's, it's a little okay. but um they might but that baby almost certainly can't be avienda's or elaine's right. so we think men, that it might be men mm-hmm. like also in the yeah, book yeah. does not have at least it's not explicitly yeah. stated that she has a child by rand mm-hmm but it's a dark hard baby, so maybe and yeah. somebody said that's like hers. maybe looks like has Asian features, but like it's a we're thinking a lot of people are thinking that it's a nod to she is tied to him and gotcha. you know puts a little bit more context to uh, you know I wish it didn't happen to a decent purpose and mm-hmm. he's like you know like am I coming back and, and she's just like well you're gonna come back and I'm gonna fall in love with you and I'm not gonna tell you that yeah. so <laughs> yeah she's so in a very moraine yeah. that I'm not answering yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was she was pretty good. I'm excited about her mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. So before we we go a little bit more into the departures, do you want to, like are there any specific questions that? Yeah, so like I I have been sort of choosing a theme for my yeah. questions as we go through, and it may or may not be that important to the specific <laughs> episode, but just stuff I'm interested in. So I have questions about the blight. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is a good departure sequence. <laughs> so. In the show, we are showing, and I, like, I read a little, you read a little bit about the blight in the first book. That's actually the most that you get, I think. But it's not, you don't get much. Yeah. So, is the blight, just thinking logistically about what the blight is, Mm -hmm. when we see the blight, I'm doing air quotes for our our listeners, Um, when we see the blight in the show, it really seems to be this sort of, like, bramble yeah wilderness like sickly right i'm getting like yeah like like, but, like you know, sleeping beauty and, yeah, around yeah. the tower like, sleeping right beauty is a good, and yeah like uh ivy not uh, like uh like strangler uh, yeah, yeah 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 oh vines and like that reach yeah. out yeah so is the blight when when we hear the term the blight yeah 
is that it or is there something else associated with it when it comes in? Like when it took over Machier, for example. That, I I wasn't going to say anything when we were talking with with Lee, Mm -hmm. but what actually happened with Malkir being taken over by the Blight and his family being slaughtered. So yes, the, the Blight took over his his family home mm-hmm. um, and, you know, kind of encroached past it. But the Blight wasn't actually the actors that the killed... Factor. Yeah, the instigating mm. factor. So his, his family, um, I don't remember exactly what ended up happening now, but essentially... There was some political machinations within his family and within the the ruling powers mm-hmm. um, of the kingdom of Malkir, and so his family was not slaughtered by the blight. It was sla- slaughtered basically by like a rival faction. Interesting. Okay, because um, that was not yeah. like super clear in. I thought had a little bit of like maybe dark under like dark. Yeah, under sure. Like I think it was and, driven yeah. by the dark one in some way. Okay. Yeah. Um, but okay, no yeah. the the blight just encroaches. The blight year by really year. is this yeah. kind of growth that is right. coming. Okay, and and okay. I think it's also kind of um, you know to give a touchstone to to people that are a little bit more familiar with Game of Thrones, where they cut back the trees on the other side of the wall so yeah. they can see and out. It, like this is something that they actively like prevent from it continuing. Right, but it does push. continue to right. regrow and keep them coming right. back in. And that makes a lot of and sense. And also okay. like a super dangerous uh, like forest kind of thing that mm-hmm. had a lot of poisonous things. Mm-hmm. I think this is another one of the times where Jordan is drawing on his time in Vietnam. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a little remin- reminiscent for me of Princess Bride, you know, with the mm-hmm. rodents of unusual size. Mm-hmm. I think also a little bit of um, some Wizard of Oz themes with like the uh, like reaching trees. Yeah, like yeah, that. Okay. That, ma- that makes sense. Okay. I just, it wasn't clear in the episode... Yeah. I don't think it's meant to be clear right. what yeah, happened yeah. to Lan's family, but I wanted I just wanted to know what can we expect from them going through the blight. Right. Um, um and I think that's gonna be a big change because in, in book one we have everybody going. Yes. And, you know, a little bit less of like everybody's gonna die who who isn't the dragon. Right. Um I, I think that is sort of a reasonable change that mm-hmm. they made because there was never any good reason that Everybody was there because Moraine knew that Rand was the one. Rand kind of knew that Rand was the mm-hmm. one. And so it's just like, well, why is everybody else like going? Yeah. Uh, or sort of everybody else because a lot of everybody else has ended up at Tarvalon at this point because they deposited Nynaeve and Egwene there mm-hmm. earlier on and we got like a completely separate focus for them. So I think that they made one change to keep um, all the the Egwene and Nynaeve with them I think that was a good one to just like can not have keep to split group time together. Right. and yeah. keep going back to Tarvalon a yeah. couple of times in the episode yeah but I think that like that makes sense to make this change because they're you know maybe like Lan is going to hurry up with them afterwards unclear what they're going to do in the next episode but mm-hmm. I think this makes a lot more sense where it's just Moraine and Rand mm-hmm. going to the eye of the world because they Rand needs to be there. Moraine probably needs to guide him there. So um, I think that makes a lot more sense, but is a big departure. I will also say um, that, you know, once we got the reveal in this episode that Rand is the Dragon Reborn, I finally told Lee, I was like, okay, so in the book we know from, and Rand knows, and like everybody knows from the very beginning that he is... Well, not everybody. Rand and Moraine know, basically. Rand and Moraine knows. And his first question was, then why did everybody else leave... Oh. Which I was like, yeah, that is 
Great question. That is the question. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, we we all sort of just well, not we'll do so a little hand waving over it. They don't know that by the time they leave the two rivers. Yes, right. Exactly. So they sort of find that out around... And Rand finds it out away from Moraine, basically. Moraine kind of suspects mm-hmm. um, when they're fleeing. But again, so like, you know, I think it's done okay in the books. and, and It's yeah, a little hand wavy, but um, yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, what was I going to say? There were a couple... Oh, uh, a book nod that I really wanted to mention because I really liked um, the the things that they did around uh, Rand shooting uh, arrows. Oh, like, yeah. I think that it was, was cool. a mm-hmm. great thing. They, they need to show how good he was with, with the bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. They also, um, I think, did a really good nod to the Void and the Flame that Tam teaches him. Flame and the Void. Um, Yes, and and they had time slow down and the flickering of the torches, yeah. which like I, I thought was a really cool. Not mm-hmm. anyway, um, back to departures. Um, just like uh, like a lot of the like backstory that we get with Ran- with Lan, we get differently. Mm-hmm. Like they never visit his family, but I think that the, that was a good thing to depart. As I've been saying, and we've all been saying, like their naive and land get together eventually and yes. they needed to set that up. They have the chemistry now. They have like a little bit more than like random conversations, mostly off book and off screen in the books. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's uh, super important. And this is a scene as we discussed a little bit earlier, but this is a scene in the show particularly that allows them to both look human for mm-hmm. a minute before they yeah. actually get together. So yeah. I, which is pretty important. <laughs> right. So and another big change that I am disappointed in, um, and I'd like to get, I guess, both of your reactions, Loyal is not with them. And that was a big part of the end of book one, where mm-hmm. Loyal goes to the eye of the world with them. With the green man. And that one, I am I am pretty disappointed, just also because I think Loyal is just such a great character yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. And so the fact that literally, like, they leave the way gate and he just, like, fucks right off into Faldara somewhere is yeah. really Like, what is he even doing right now? <laughs> we just don't even he's see it. Like, what's shacking up with some other Ogier woman, hopefully? <laughs> I mean, yeah. get it, Loyal, but, like, really. No, we have no idea. <laughs> and so it's very eyebrows. disappointing. Um, Quiver those ears. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so uh, I, th- I think for me, that's going to be one of the more frustrating things because I think. Uh, he makes for great exposition when they need yeah. some more, like they need some more exposition. Uh, they're, I think they're doing a really good job with what they have, but he's a great character to just have random throwaway lines that everybody ignores that just fills everything up for everybody yeah. else. And I think that they should have done it a little bit more in the ways, a little bit more with Machin Chin and things like that, mm-hmm. where just a couple of lines from him that are heard. Really yeah. yeah. And so. with that, you know, also the other part is, you know, we meet him in a library, which is very book canonical. Um, but he's supposed to also like carry books with him. Mm. And so I'm hoping that in season two, hopefully he will come back around. And part of one of his rules will be essentially helping Rand figure out what in the hell does being the Dragon Reborn actually mean? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so hopefully some of that exposition comes through him. Yeah, that would be great. Um, and so I'm going to do a quick transition, unless you have another big thing for departures. I have more Go for it. Yeah. So one of the other things about the, to your point, sir, about talking about Nynaeve and Lan getting together mm-hmm. is yes, this is a departure from the books. Um, but it sets it up as much more mature than the yes. books, which is really helpful yeah. and I think really needed in this day and age. Um, but I think we can still get some of the nice arcs that we get with Nynaeve's character 
um, that relates to her and, and Lan's relationship developing because you can still have very much a separation between how they feel and behave physically and Lan still not being available emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I think, is a very strong um, thread that hopefully they will be able to use. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes because sense. Because they, they clearly do... established, like, sex is not that big of a deal yeah. in this world. Like, it's like, okay, yeah, we went and we had fun mm -hmm. instead of, like, this is a big deal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's what I have for okay. departures. Um, so I have one more departure that leads into my disappointed dark friends. Okay. So one of the things that I think was really cool, really important, that started way earlier is land training brand with the sword. Because it's a big through uh, line in... All of the books, honestly. Yeah. You've, you've mentioned this before, mentioned and I think, before. It's a, I think it's important to keep bringing up. Yeah. And mention it again, um, because like we just don't have that that chance, and there isn't going to be a chance, and they're probably going to do it in season two. But like you know, it, it it causes a lot of problems for things that will probably need to happen in season two with Lan with Rand being really good with the sword when he meets somebody at the end of book two, which presumably they're going to do at some point in season two. Mm -hmm. So, I, like, I don't know what they're going to go there. So I'm really disappointed that that they're not doing anything with that, mm -hmm. and they really need to. And and they've shown how important the sword is, and they've done nothing with it the entire season. I mean, I assume now that they've shown how important the sword is, we will get that training. Yeah. Um, but it is really key for Rand before he starts really channeling a lot. Like, he really needs to learn. Yep, the sword. how to use the sword. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I have one one minor disappointed dark friend. Okay. Which is that, while I'm very excited about how they did Makenshin, and I think it works well for the kind of info dumps that we get, mm -hmm. I'm very disappointed because that was something that I memorized from the books as a teenager. <laughs> and then on Halloween... My friends and I went around, knocked on people's doors, <laughs> and then gave them these lines in tandem. So they were really creepy. We were so yeah. edgy. This is um, <laughs> that happened so many years ago that I don't think I could recite the lines anymore. Mm -hmm. For a long time, I had them like committed to memory. Um, but I am a little disappointed we didn't get you know flesh torn into strips. Yeah, yeah, blood's yeah. so blood's sweet. So sweet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you know. Maybe we'll a get that bit a little bit there. later for something else or something. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was not disappointed. I love this episode. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> this was a great episode. Yeah, I am was. dark friendless on this on this episode. All right. Yeah. Well, it's been fun. Yeah, it has been. May you always find water and shade. <laughs>